garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad to have y'all up early with us this morning. I'm Veda with Palladio Garden. I'm Kenneth with Danwest Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder. I am the administrator of our <clears throat> Facebook group, Retired Nurseryman. And what, who else? Grumpy and uh-huh. yes. Couch Potato. and I've been called a lot of things. Yes. and <laughs> um, true. Mm-hmm. Y'all should have been here this this morning listening to uh, Kenneth and Jim discuss the coffee pot oh, issue Lord. this well, morning. Well, first of all, I'm downstairs, and I'm trying to make a, just a cup of coffee. Something simple, right? What is it? A Carrick machine Carrick, down there? Yeah. So I put the little thing in, and I shut it, and I hit the power button. Nothing. Nothing. Well, I hit the start button. Nothing. So I do it two or three times, like it's broken, like mm-hmm. it's my finger that's not working, right. right? So Veda walks up and said, hmm, let's hit the power button. You know, so the lights come on. I'm like, oh, silly you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm down there. And I said, okay, well, the power button's on now. So I hit the start button again. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It just says it's heating up. It's, it's, it's yeah. completely I broken. Left so it wasn't me, Miss Veda. His yeah. morning is ruined. Yes. 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 So so I've Jim, got a little... Jim goes, did you plug? He, Jim goes, well, it's working fine now. I plugged it in. I said, I unplugged it in case there's something wrong with and it. And then Jim goes, well, it's working all fine now. And Kenneth says, well, it did that already. <laughs> and Jim's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so no coffee this morning. So That's the bottom go. line. This, here, just please have some of mine. <laughs> no okay, coffee. We'll back, have to make it through it. Back to gardening then. Because anyway um well first of all you know yeah what a week what a great week Mm -hmm. Uh, finally some rain yeah you know (laughs) uh, you know this is the second rain we've had what within a week and then we had no rain before this you know probably for three weeks and my place was getting pretty darn dry and i'm gonna tell you you can tell when it doesn't rain for three weeks because people start bringing in samples of their landscape that is either completely dehydrated and dying or they've bumped the uh, water up yeah. somehow on the irrigation and pulled the hose out, and they're killing things mm-hmm. by overwatering. We've said this so many times, watering is an art, I'm telling you. But thank goodness for the rain that we did get. And I mean, I don't know about y'all, but at my house, it basically flooded, which I mm-hmm. love to see. Yeah, Didn't yeah. flood at my house. We got a fairly steady rain. Yeah, I think Jim's getting that dome that I right. had over my house. Yeah, I, you know, it's all week it's been less than an inch total, mm-hmm. but it was mm-hmm. still better than nothing. Yeah, so you say so we kind of need to not really listen to what each person got in their area because we never mm-hmm. have the same amount of rain. Uh, because like in my house, we say we got two inches of rain and you're thinking, oh, wow, so the garden center is going to be watered great. And you get there and it's it only got half an inch. Mm-hmm. So so don't go off of what all your friends say when you're sitting around talking. Check the soil yourself in your own area. Well, let me tell you how dry it's been around here. Uh, you know, I bought a bag of lawn food, uh, what, five weeks ago? And, uh, you know, I put some out in my front and side yards, but I knew I had to go out there and water it in with the sprinkler, which took forever. I, I mean, I didn't get to bed till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock that night because I kept having to move the sprinkler mm-hmm. to get everything watered in. I said, Okay, I'm not doing the backyard like this because the backyard's bigger. So I waited for the rain. Well, I did get home, like I said the other day, it was still raining. Uh, I poured the urea in the spreader. Oh, my word. Oh, yeah, pure nitrogen. <laughs> At least it's pure raining. Pure nitrogen, so, yeah. okay, because I want to see this thing green and grow. Mm-hmm. So I got a leaf bag, and I put it over the spreader to keep the rain from getting in there, and I started running through the backyard in the rain. Uh, and it was perfect, though, because then all of a sudden it stopped raining, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, my lawn is wet. So now you have to. 
of putting urea on my wet grass, yeah. okay, it's going to stick to the blade. Burn it. Probably burn it. But when I got through, got back inside, it started raining again. So, <laughs> like, so you didn't have to stay up till midnight. Yep. So I'm wondering if the application rate is the same like where you're casually walking through the yard or where Ken is running through the yard. Application rate's the same. I'm telling you, it's coming out just the same. Maybe. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm like, Maybe's an important yes, part Yes, I was going to say, okay. <laughs> now I did study something about the pace well, of, of how yeah, you it go. It depends on what kind of spreader you've got, too, whether it's a drop mm-hmm. or a broadcast. This was a broadcast, and, and, it, you you know, have, and it yeah. spins. So, but then the faster you go, the wider the path right. and the mm-hmm. lower the coverage. Well, and the and the faster I'm moving, also, so I, you know, I I knew I didn't put it down too heavy, uh, but I was just trying my best to get it out, y'all, while it was raining, and it stopped. I was halfway through, and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me! But it, it did start raining again. Uh, well, that was like me yesterday. Um, all in the garden center the whole day. It was cloudy, kind of cool. Um, everything was watered really well, and I thought, okay, I'm going to spray some of these things with some neem. And so I sprayed, 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 and right when I finished spraying, all of a sudden just kind of breaks mm-hmm. out of the clouds. And I'm thinking, this neem oil and then the sun, okay. and it's going to start burning them. Why? Why does this happen? That's because we're gardeners. Yeah. That's why. But the sun went back in. Everything's all good. Yeah, and I did mention, uh, I wrote down, uh, this is the week of the bugs. Um, you know, we've had insect problems, of course, from day one. We all know that. Uh, but it seems like when you start getting into the dog days of summer, uh, insects, are they're out there, I'm telling you. And plants might be a little weaker, might be a little stressed for whatever reasons. Uh, if I had one customer come in with a sample of lace bug on their azaleas, I've had 100 come in this week. Uh, and I mean, not to the point where it shows a little damage it comes in where the leaves are basically white and they're like what is going on i said well, i wish you would have been in here three weeks ago you know but anyway um if you got azaleas out there make your rounds and if the azaleas look like all the green chlorophyll has been sucked out of the leaf and you look at the underside of the leaf and you see these little brown specks up under there you probably have lace bug. Mm-hmm. And I explained to them, you know, get a good uh, insecticide that has lace bug on the label. I personally like to use a systemic insecticide. But I also tell them, Veda, you'll be proud of me because you go this angle always, is, yeah, you can spray a couple times and kill the lace bug. But why are the lace bug there to start with, right? Mm-hmm. And typically your zayas are weak or anemic for some reason. Or in this case, dry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or too much water, not enough water, need to be fed, or getting way too much sun. Something or, yeah. else is going on. And the sun is a key factor. Yeah, and uh, but lace bug, y'all, I mean, they are horrible out there on azaleas right now. Um, another troubling little bug, which is not as detrimental to me as lace bug, is the fungus gnats. Uh, people will take houseplants out this time of year. They'll bring them in this time of year. Uh, people love to overwater houseplants for some reason. Don't know why. But typically, if you've got these little gnats flying around your houseplants, uh, in the kitchen, around your nose, in your eyes, it's probably a fungus gnat. And a fungus gnat is a little insect that's typically coming from the soil. Well, let me, let me back up. From the wet soil, of your house plants, right? Yeah, like extra wet or extra compacted. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you have fungus gnats, guys, uh, that, like I said, they do come from the soil, typically from your house plants. 
do a couple of things. Cut back on the moisture a little bit. Keep that soil a little drier. And if you've got to go out there and repot it and put it in a good, high-quality potting soil, a lot of people do that. But uh, you can drench the soil with BT. Uh, you can get these little things called mosquito bits, uh, which is a BT in a grain form that you just sprinkle on the soil and water in. I mean, you can get rid of the fungus gnats. But it just tells you either people are using the wrong soil, potting soil, when they're potting their house plants, or they're just keeping them way too wet. You know, right? So, yeah, I would. Um, if I was having a lot of fungus gnat issues, then the pot that I was having the problem mm-hmm. with, I would lift the plant out because more than likely it's not totally rooted. Mm-hmm. Lift the pot out, maybe, and the soil you'll probably see is kind of tight or, or not so good. Mix some good compost mm-hmm. with that, and then replant it. Yeah, and and don't keep it freaking too wet. Uh, another. <laughs> Y'all, and I thought that we were, Jim, over the army worms. I really did. I mean, because, you know, we went two weeks, and every day people were coming in. Army worms were eating my lawn up, right? Uh, And this has been one of those horrible years when it comes to army worms. Well, really, for the last 10 days, uh, I haven't had any people coming in talking about army worms at all, okay? Yesterday, guys, I had three people in the garden center at the same time. Talking about army worms, like, did this just start all all over again immediately? Right. I have a great organic cure for army worms, well, but I'm going to tell you after. I'm gonna, I'm, but after what? I know after Kenneth quits talking. Well, I'm going to just say, no. guys, <laughs> the army worms. I thought they were more or less gone. Yeah, They're not. Right? Yeah, that's what I've heard too. I've heard that as well. So we've got a lot of great <clears> things <throat> to talk about. We have three hour show now, which is fantastic. Uh, Jim, welcome our new station. Yes, we do want to welcome Greenville, Mississippi, WNIX. That's AM thirteen thirty and FM one hundred one point one. And also Nuga Radio in Chattanooga, we welcome you. You're on for the whole three hours. That's 92.7 FM. We appreciate you listening this morning. And give us a call, 844-747-8868. Of course, you can get us on the local number here, 260-5926. Yep, and if you also want to get in touch with us, uh, go to Mighty, uh, with the Mighty 990 uh, Facebook page mm-hmm. and kwm.com. That's right, kwamradio.com. Don't go anywhere. More of Mid-South Gardening coming up on the Mighty 990 KWAM and streaming online at Mighty990.com. I've noticed that when I go to the shopping mall and buy one of the towels, they just don't seem to work very well. They feel too soft and too lotion-y. They just don't absorb the water. Well, our good friend Mike Lindell over at MyPillow has found a solution, and you've got to get yourself one of his brand new towels. These things are incredible, and best of all, they're made right here in the U.S., and all of his towels come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You're going to be able to get a six-piece set, two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, all made with USA cotton. They are soft yet absorbent and you're normally going to pay over $100. But thanks to our good friend Mike Lindell, $39.99. That's it. It's a great deal. All you have to do, go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Just enter the promo code STARNS or you can call 800-839-8506 for some incredible radio specials. Again, MyPillow.com, promo code STARNS. No matter where you're going, take along Brim's Snack Foods to make your day even tastier. Cheese puffs, cheese curls, cracklins, cheddar fries, popcorn, 
pork rinds, potato chips, tortilla and corn chips, and so much more. Family owned and operated, Brim's has been serving communities for almost 40 years. And their delicious snacks have been sold throughout the South. Brim's Snack Foods. Life is so delicious. Sight and Sound Theaters presents a brand new original stage production. Everyone has a story. All young women are to be taken to the palace. The choices we must face. Go to the king. Plead for the lives of your people. At a time that was chosen for us. No one can ever know who you are. What you're about to see is my story. Queen Esther, live on stage at Sight and Sound Theaters. For tickets, visit sight-sound.com. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call at 844-747-8868. You sure can. And the local number, 260-5926, Miss Veda. Army worms, huh? Yeah, they're back. They're, well, maybe they never left. I just hadn't heard anything, like I said, mm-hmm. for about 10 days. And I'm thinking, all right, man, maybe these, these things have, yeah. you know, we're done with them. No, 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 ma'am. I had heard something as similar that they had come back and... Uh, have you heard them coming back, or they're we, still around? Yeah, we're still hearing, you know, seeing things on the on the Facebook group about army mm-hmm. worms. So. Yeah, so um, it's just really easy to do this this method to get rid of the army worms. All right, let me get my pen. I'm ready. I'm, I'm write it down in case you're wrong. Chickens. <laughs> they oh, yeah. love army worms. I love it. <laughs> oh, I know y'all knew that, but you were just really thinking I always had a new product. Now, do you put like a organic. little string around their little leg and just, you know, let them go out there and. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. And just. You got the shock collars on yeah. them. So you go ahead and put up the thing, the param- parameter. Yeah. And if they go out of it, shock collar. Chickens. They won't go anywhere. There's no food. Do you know how people do that? That sustainable. Uh, gardening or living where they'll have big cages with chickens in them, but the bottoms are are open. Yeah. So they'll just move the cage yep. to location. The chickens will get rid of the insects and fertilize the yard at the same time. I mean, you know, that's, well, that's fun to do if you're out. So, so Veda's, <laughs> um, you know, her answer to army worms is, is chickens. Chickens. Okay. Well, and there, there are a lot of chickens in Memphis, mm-hmm. Tennessee, by the way. Yeah, I think true. more chickens are in people's backyards than there ever has been, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, whether you're putting down a granulated product, most granulated general purpose insecticides have army worms on the label uh and then there's a lot of liquid products of Mm -hmm. course that you can spray um and you can knock them out uh but typically i like to give them a good spray and come back in about five days and spray again um but they're bad guys i mean and they're still out there so you know if you see your lawn kind of moving uh you've got millions of army worms out there and we all know they love bermuda but they'll eat anything if they're desperate i'm telling you yeah i think the most important thing is making sure that they don't get to your shrubs because they can do serious damage there Uh, but you know if you did nothing your grass is going to recover you know yeah but who wants that lawn just eating away well i know you're so yeah i know anyway serious about (laughs) about having a perfectly green maintained um lawn and i guess he's not the only Mm -hmm. no but um so i have never really had to diagnose or seen army worms in plants personally but what 
are they attracted to like the tender ones they wouldn't really munch on a holly would they or never seen them on a holly but i've seen them get up on azaleas i've seen them on on needled evergreens oh Uh, yeah yeah, interesting okay so but because we're going to start seeing tent caterpillars also and they're not the same as the fall army worms the tent caterpillars are in like little tents like a little webbing like a big spider web that you see up in your hickory trees and pecan trees and you know, I'd yeah. rather have, I think, uh, tent caterpillars uh, in a large mm-hmm. tree than army worms in my lawn. Right. Uh, because we know that, you know, the tent caterpillars, even though the stuff looks very unsightly, you know, unless you've got tons of them in a tree, you know, they're really more superficial than they are detrimental. Now, you know, if it was my tree and if I could reach it, I would mm-hmm. still spray to kill the tent caterpillars. Well, you know, I would take the longest pole I could and open it up. So the wasps can get in and get the uh, tent caterpillars. You know, I'll, I'll let nature go that way at this point because it's not going to kill my tree. I don't want to cut the ends right. off and change the way the tree's going to grow. So that would be my contribution of getting the tent caterpillars off was to keep the balance of nature by opening up the uh, the web so they can get into it. Plus, you kind of got to open the web anyway if you're going to spray, right? Yeah, you really um, do. You want to spray around the outside of it anyway because that's mm-hmm. where they're going to go eat. You know, they've already oh, taken yeah. all the foliage from inside oh, so the web. So you really don't have to. You don't want to. Don't focus yeah. on the web. Focus on the area outside the web. Uh, in in mm-hmm. you know what we see in the fall typically are web worms and tent caterpillars are typically more spring. Tent caterpillars will make a very tight um, tent-looking thing in the crotch of a tree uh, or or a limb. And what you see out towards the end of the limbs are those are web worms. They're, yeah. Slightly different, but uh, they both, you know, march mm-hmm. up and down the tree and, and eat your foliage. I just like different seasons, I guess. And the same <laughs> thing with the, you know, the webworms. Uh, just a good generic uh, broad-spectrum insecticide that will control caterpillars, uh, whether it's in the, you know, the permethrin family, uh, bifenferin, sarinara, any of those are fine to use. And, and they're very safe to use. If you wanted something that was completely organic, uh, like the uh, what the BT or the spinosad, but would they also would they get would BT or spinosad kill an adult wellworm though? Uh, BT, yeah, if they're munching on a foliage, okay. yeah, they would. Okay, mm-hmm. so well, so let's take care of, care care of those caterpillars today because we don't want them around every single year. What is a good preventative for the army ones worms outside of keeping your yard real healthy and not a lot of nitrogen on it and you know, good predators, but what's a prevention? Uh, there's not there's really, not really I don't you know, think a prevention. So. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I had a guy, one of the guys that was in the garden center yesterday when three were in there at the same time, uh, he had actually put down a product called Dialogs down about a month ago when it was really bad. And he actually did that as a preventative because mm-hmm. he knew his neighbors around him, right around him, had a bad case of army worms. And he was in there yesterday getting uh, Sirenara, which is a in the Promethrin family, <laughs> because he didn't get his until yesterday. Even though he put a product down a month ago, uh, they invaded his yard. Uh, yeah. You know, in the last Dialogs couple of days, has a very short, yeah, span. It's very good, quick, yes. and kills everything. Yeah, but so I guess chickens uh, is the answer. There you go, baby. <laughs> and, and we had a lot of people on the Facebook group recommend chickens. Oh, really? Yeah, sure did. Well, also, then they they must be like me and would like to use goats for weeds. 
So mm. I'm thinking I'm should start a business. I think you need to move out of the city limits. Or there's probably actually, yeah, that's exactly right. There's probably actually somebody does, and I think I've read this, leases goats, chickens, and things like that to uh, work in other people's yards. Honey, I'm going to go get my goats. Got to take care of those weeds today. And Jan Childers <laughs> texted in. She said, would napalm work on, on my army worms? Napalm. <laughs> it, it would. Yeah, I think so. And that definitely take care of the neighbor's army worms as well. All right. Everybody has hydrangeas in their landscape. Uh, and there's yeah. yeah, every, yeah. I mean, tell me who doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially now that there are hydrangeas that grow in the shade, there are hydrangeas that grow in full sun, right? Well, the ones, the macrophilia, the big leaf uh, hydrangeas, uh, this time of year, we'll talk about seeing a lot of spots on the leaves, Miss Data. Oh, you mean the spotted hydrangeas? Yeah, that's the new kind. Sure it is. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back. We're going to answer your gardening questions. We want to know what's going on in your garden. Do you have questions on hydrangeas, fertilizers, Mm -hmm. insects, organic gardening? Diseases? There's so many topics. I know y'all have got to have something you've been wondering about. And how do you find out? Call us 844-747-8868. And there's other avenues. Yeah, you can give us a call, local number 260-5926. Of course, you can go to kwamradio.com, uh, and you can go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and send us a text. Right. So many different ways to get in touch with us. So let's see. Spots we, on hydrangeas. And you were saying okay. something about a new spot in right, hydrangea. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they're not new, by the way. <laughs> Leopard pajamas. Yeah. yeah it's the same thing. <laughs> Blooms you know, orange. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about, you know, the, the dog days of summer, uh, and you'll have to explain what the dog days yeah. of summer mean. But in the dog days of summer, which we're in now, uh, things are, you know, they're kind of hanging on. You want to try to keep them as good looking as you can. Uh, we were talking about the insects a while ago. Uh, you know, you start seeing a lot of that, uh, especially on really stressed plants uh, late summer. But also our wonderful hydrangeas. You know, this is the time of year that you also start seeing a lot of the spotting on there. Uh, and whether it's the, uh, you know, the bacterial uh, spot that you get or the fungal anthracnose spot that you get, um, you know, it, it's not uncommon. I just, and it's not probably going to kill your hydrangea, but I still hate the way it makes a hydrangea look. Right. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Because we're always looking for perfect, almost, well, or just a few little dots here and there. And, and you know, and, and this is the one where, you know, the chickens aren't going to help at all. Yeah. You know? Nope. They don't even take the leaves off. Nah. The leaves, they're not going to do anything that hydrangea. Uh, ideally, guys, go out there and get all the debris off the ground, rake any of those leaves up that have fallen, get them out of there. Uh, spray a good fungicide, whether it's the uh, liquid copper or something like the dicanil. Uh, give them a good spray and now come back in about 10 days, two weeks, and spray them again. And I always tell people this. It won't clear up any spots mm-hmm. that are already there. You're spraying to prevent further infestation right. because a lot of people are under the impression if you go out there and spray a fungicide – that my spots go away. Right, right. And that's, yeah. that's the not the case. The leaves have to fall off and the new leaves come back. And if the new leaves come back with spots, then you have issues. 
And then uh, good old overhead irrigation, yeah. not good on hydrangeas. Right. So, um, and for me, my process would be in the organic department, even though you listed copper, and that is an yeah. organic fungicide too, is, yeah, I would remove all the debris and everything, but I would do the fertilization, of course. And unless I've been fertilizing, 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 yeah. then, I mean, obviously the balance has got to be set up already. So, uh, yeah, definitely remove the leaves. Spray with copper is a good one. I would yeah. even try do neem. I mean, I have good luck with neem on um, powdery mildew and insects. Mm-hmm. But what about the black spot on or the spots on hydrangea? I don't think neem is going to. I don't think it's going to do a good job for that. And plus, I, yeah. you know, I want to be real careful using any kind of oil-based spray, including neem oil. When the temperatures are above, what, 89 degrees, 86, 89 degrees. Yeah, well, a lot of the, the oil sprays now, though, like uh, Monterey's, for instance, has no temperature restrictions. So you can use it in any temperature you want, as long as the plant's been well hydrated prior. Mm-hmm. They've been using oils for growing season sprays over McMinnville on broadly on trees, mm-hmm. deciduous trees, you know, when temperature gets over 100, as long as the plant is it's well hydrated. hydrated. Yeah. And I tell you what, some good news on neem oil. I was talking to uh, T. Stallings a couple months ago, one of our uh, sales reps for Bonide Corporation. Uh, Bonide is kind of like a Fertilome Ortho. It's just a big brand name. Uh, and they carry neem oil. Well, Jim, you've always said neem oil is not neem oil unless they put the azuractin back in there. Right. Uh, and supposedly next year, the Bonide neem oil is going to have uh, a lot more or more azuractin than it does. Mm. Glad to it hear that. Done, yeah. Well, it has none, yeah, so it's going to have more, yeah. Yeah, well, that, and that's good, because that's the actual insecticide. Uh, azuractin's been on the market a long time for greenhouses, because it's an excellent insecticide, and, and it is organic, um, but it hasn't, the, in the neem oil they offer us on the market, It's uh, it's been removed. So um, I wonder that, why. I mean, just be, don't know. Hmm. Yeah, there's all I, kinds sure of thoughts sort of on that. EPA exactly, yeah, something yeah. or other, right? That had it. to do with some kind of money issue. And we get a lot of something. questions too about the hydrangea foliage. Can you compost it? And you can hear, yeah, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you can. Okay, even disease foliage, as long as the temperature in your compost pile is getting to 165 degrees, it's okay. Well, now, even at 140, it will kill most of right, it. But at 165 right. degrees, it will kill. Uh, all the fungus related to that, so you can you're absolutely can put those leaves in the compost. Pile. Now, what if you make a compost pile using a lot of those infected leaves, and you know naturally those leaves are going to break down regardless of what temperature. I mean, eventually they're mm-hmm. going to break down. So, how do you ensure, Jim, that you get that in you know that that internal well, temperature in I'm there? Well, you'd, only way you'd have to check it. You know, I mean, with a thermometer, with a yeah. thermometer is to check it. But most most of them will get to that temperature if it's if you've got the right blend of brown and green and yeah. all that stuff that they talk about. Yeah, naturally, yeah. you'll get it. You know, and in what happens if you don't remove your leaves? Well, you could still get it either way. Okay, the the fact of the matter is, once the leaves fall off, most of the spores have already been released. They're in the soil. They've been spread over a large area by rain. So, you know, if you don't get the leaves up, it's not going to make a determination as to whether or not you'll have the disease next year. Right. Okay. It's all going to be the resistance of the plant, mm-hmm. the weather, uh, your uh, watering techniques. Mm-hmm. Those are the contributing factors as to whether or not you're going to get the disease because the spores are everywhere. All right. Mm-hmm. And the whole composting thing is when you do when when you actually get the dirt that means it's been up to at least 160 to make that dirt 
uh, make the soil. Yeah, because yeah. so if you had some in the compost, you had some leaves that weren't totally broke down, you'd still have some fungal issues probably transported with it. But the whole process and composting and all is balancing out all the microorganisms, all the uh, beneficial bacteria, the beneficial fungus. And so in a compost pile, there's more of it, which is able to attack the fungus on the leaves, break it all down, just process it out. So that's why you don't have to worry so much about the fungal issues in a compost And, and what about the compost starters, the compost makers that you add to your compost? Yeah. I mean, that's like a... Um, you know, an accelerator, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, you know, in fact, I had a lady come in yesterday looking for a compost maker. Uh, and we had it, you know. And uh, so I was patting her on the back. I mean, she's making her own yeah. compost. Uh, it's, it's not to say that she'll never buy compost in a bag. That wasn't the issue. It's just mm-hmm. that, you know, she had stuff, uh, whether it's grass clippings and ground-up leaves or whatever, that she wanted to compost down herself. Now, I always started my compost pile, the very first one, with coarse greens, browns, what all that stuff. But then I would take a couple of shovelfuls of good soil from mm-hmm. um, one of my beds that are really good. It already had the it. mycorrhiza all yeah, in there and, and the it microbes. Started. Yeah, or a bag of soil. But, I mean, if you started from total sterile where you didn't have a good soil in your yard, you your compost pile was just starting, maybe throw some of that in extra. You know, and I was even reading last night, and I've never done it to my lawn, how some people uh, will put a light layer of compost down over their lawn. Uh, you know, some people do it every year. Some people do it every two or three years. Uh, but they're just building that soil level uh, back up. But it, it enriches your soil, especially soil that's just, uh, you know, hard pan, uh, really compacted, uh, you know, it dries out really quick. Uh, you can always put about a quarter inch of, of compost out there. And I'm so used to saying, you know, put it in your beds, uh, but I've never done it in my lawn, something I might do. Right. Uh, but it's, it's good for anywhere you put it. Are you doing a compost pile, Jim? No, you know, I have such a, a small yard, there's really not place for it. And, yeah. and I'm to the point now where there's darn few places to plant anything else. <laughs> oh, so, so Have you ever seen the pictures of so, his place? Yeah. You know, I buy a bag of compost and I got half of it left over. <laughs> oh, my word, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, no, I, you know. Compost piles are great if you're doing a lot of mm-hmm. vegetable gardening and that sort of thing, which yeah. I don't do vegetables. I just do flowers. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, so. in, in the fall when people get out there and rake their leaves and, and put them in bags, I mean, there are people in, that would drive around and collect well, your I, leaf I, bags. I used yep, to do that. Same. Because they're going to grind those leaves up and use it for their own composting needs. Well, you know? I, I used to look for yards that had uh, willow oaks. You know, they mm-hmm. would be dry and light. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. you get these real big bags. When I was growing satsuki as a is, I would just cover them during the winter time mm-hmm. with those because they were so prone to winter burn and losing the flowers. I just totally cover them. You wouldn't see them. Pull the leaves back in the spring. They're bright green, look healthy as they can be, and you know, and they bloom just fine. Well, kind of to that note, uh, knew a gentleman that grew uh, some elephant ears in a bed. And these, I'm telling you guys, these elephant ears would get Tom grow some beauties. Ten, ten foot tall. That's <laughs> wow. exactly right. But every year, he would add uh, ground-up leaves to this bed, and he would actually basically cover them up. He'd cut them back and, and cover them up. But the, but the leaves would compost down every year. And it was like looking at a picture of a jungle. I mean, it was pretty amazing uh, what this compost would do. 
Mm. Uh, but that's the way he would protect his plants was just ground up leaves. Right. You know? Yeah, I think some of the first gardeners that that I uh, met and learned to work from was a big thing was compost piles. And one lady, there she <clears> had their uh, wooden fence around her property, but the next property had uh, nothing on it. So she had picked a little spot right over the fence and kind of put it, piled up some leaves, and then she started throwing her leftovers over the fence. And then she would go around there after a while and just dig up some of that good soil and bring it back <laughs> so she didn't have to compost in her yard. So when I had learned, started learning that from her, because some reason when I first started studying, I guess, the industry, it was like everything that I learned was how to fix it after it happened. Mm. And she was teaching me how to prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a whole nother opening and to, to gardening. And then I remembered that I had asked my aunt sister, I'm like, how does your garden so wonderful? I never see you spray anything. I mean, I was in the industry already. And she goes, oh, honey, I just go up in them hills. Yeah. <laughs> okay, not that bad. Yeah. And grab, and she would just get compost and all that and just put it in manure, definitely manure. Yeah. Just put it all in her vegetable garden and work it in and just go for it. But she worked it every day, too, you know, where we want to use things where we can only have to work in our yard once a week. Well, you're, kind, she of, worked it you're kind of stealing my thought because, you know, when we get back from the break, it won't be long before we'll start thinking about putting down fall plants, especially fall veggies. Uh, and these are plots that people typically have spring veggies in, summer veggies, and then they'll turn it into a fall veggie uh, plot, right? Yeah. Well, what do we need to do to that area to get ready for fall vegetables? Do we do nothing, or do we put some amendments mm, in there? Well, we can talk about it after the break. And we're going to talk about also, does it do any good to put eggshells in that compost pile on the other side oh, of that fence that yes. we've got? Uh, yes, does it does. It? I've read that many times before, Jim. <laughs> Boy, have I got a surprise Did you catch you. that? I've read it many times. <laughs> Y'all hang on for the answer. Give us a call, 844-747-8868. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening. On the Mighty 990 KWAM and streaming online at Mighty990.com. Hello, friends. Todd Starnes here, and I want to invite you to my annual Faith and Freedom Celebration at Truett McConnell University. Join me and my very special guest, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, as we celebrate America and raise much-needed scholarship funds for Truett McConnell. Our Faith and Freedom Celebration is a once-in-a-lifetime moment to meet some of the top newsmakers and decision-makers in the nation. Tickets are selling fast, so make your reservations right now, September 24th at Truett McConnell University. Go to truett.edu. When it comes to fresh, you can always taste the difference. That's why at FarmView Market, you'll always find 100% grass-fed beef. No hormones, no antibiotics, just pure pasture-raised grass-fed beef. And that care and devotion goes into all of our products at FarmView Market. Taste the difference yourself by visiting farmviewmarket.com. Carryout and curbside services are still available. FarmView Market, farm-to-table fresh, always. farmviewmarket.com. America has a new choice for fair and balanced news. ToddStarns.com. Journalism you can trust. From some of the best reporters and opinion writers in the business, ToddStarns.com takes you to the front lines of the culture war, defending faith, freedom, and your family. ToddStarns.com also features exclusive interviews with America's top newsmakers like Mike Huckabee, Franklin Graham, and Newt Gingrich. Find out why millions of Americans read ToddStarns.com every day. It's news you can trust. ToddStarns.com. 
Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. America is in a funk, and that's why I wrote our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl. It's a collection of inspirational and encouraging and hilarious stories about exceptional Americans who are doing good deeds, stories about faith and family, God and country. I do have hope for America because my hope is not based on a political party. My hope is built on a much higher power. Our Daily Biscuit, it's a buttermilk biscuit for the soul. Good morning. Welcome back. Give us a call, 844-747-8868. Let us know what's going on in your garden. Yep, and you can give us a call also, local number, 260-5926, and go to kwamradio.com, and go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page if you want to shoot us a text. Uh, and uh, we'll get to your question, Jim, or your comment about eggshells in just a second. But Audrey, yeah, Fielding, we're going to do that next hour. Yeah, all right. Audrey Fielding texted in, said, "Not sure what brand it is, but my tomatoes have a really tough skin." You know, I've noticed that some tomatoes do. Too mean to them. <laughs> no, Audrey, come on. <laughs> tough skinned tough skin. tomatoes. Why, why? Well, I always thought it was a variety. But if she's had that variety before and knows that's not how they But taste. I have noticed that some varieties have a tougher mm-hmm. skin yeah. than other varieties. Um, well, what would make a tough skin on it? I mean, if it's not the variety, variety it's just got to be the growing conditions. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it has to be. But I don't know of anything in this world that you can do or not mm-hmm. do to eliminate tough skin on, on a tomato. There's just no. Well, that'll be something we'll just maybe find out one day. But it's got to be variety. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, we're, si- I'm, I'm, we're, we're all sitting here processing this question through well, our mind. you know, a lot of the uh, so-called shipping tomatoes, like we get out of Ripley, have tough skins, and mm-hmm. they were bred that way for a purpose. So, so they're they, trucking tomatoes. So they don't bruise and shipment, mm-hmm. and, they, and they still look good by the time they get to the grocery store. Because oh, that's the they important part. They taste like cardboard, yeah. but they still look good. They look, they look great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know... I think it's either varietal or there's some growing conditions that are different. Um, yeah. I know I'm thinking. I can't think of anything that would do that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the only thing I can, I can think of that would cause uh-huh. it if it's different than it's been before. Right. Yeah. But Give us you, some more clues. If you don't know the variety, um, then I can't tell you which one to avoid next year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so, yeah. Well, hopefully we can get that figured out because who wants tough skin tomatoes? And salt just won't help that either. And I love tomatoes, and I love them all. I'm telling you, but um, I mean, you know, just more sun and shade, well drained soil, you know, uh, a high pH, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. And other than that, I mean, they're you know they're really easy to grow. And well, then try to keep your tomatoes at a constant moisture. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And I, I don't think chickens would be any help for your tomatoes, <laughs> no, especially your cherry so. tomatoes. I had the silkies. They'll help you p- pick them. Those pretty silkies. I love silkies. Yeah, so yeah, they're the white ones. Used to raise Buffy silkies, the ones that are kind of terracotta colored. They're so precious. You're not talking about tomatoes or chickens? Chickens. chickens. Huh. But the silkies, I walked right back behind the, the shed, and I saw this silky just jumping up, jumping up, jumping up. And what he was doing was plucking the cherry tomatoes off my vine. <laughs> and I thought, I didn't know a silky would eat a cherry oh, tomato. Yeah. Get back over there and eat those worms. Yeah. <laughs> but they're so fun. They're, they're such good pets. They are. They go to Make bed. Make no noise. Yeah. They go to bed at the same time. They have personalities. They really do. But um, fall veggies coming up, guys. 
Uh, yeah. and, and I'm talking about plots so that people hard. have had tomatoes and squash mm-hmm. and cucumber and okra, and they probably still do. But when the time comes and they take all that stuff out of there and they want to plant, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the green seeds, the uh, the lettuce, the cool crops, if you will. Yeah. The um, kale, the chard, yeah. the bok choy. Yeah, the mustards and beets <laughs> yeah. and broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage, all that stuff. What do we need to do to re-energize the bed mm-hmm. or anything? I mean, is that a time where we still go back in there and do all three? You know, add the compost right. back into the bed, uh, typically add some lime back into the bed and then add some fertilizer you know garden tone or whatever back into the bed just like you would in the spring jim do you or veda do y'all refresh your law your garden for fall planting well since i don't do any fall vegetables uh the answer is no No, you don't do that in the fall (laughs) if i were doing them yes Yes. i would yeah Yeah, i'd go in i'd lay in you know an inch or so of compost on top of it uh, manure or something like that and just till it in you know i'm not so much interested in the nutritional value as i am the texture of the mm-hmm. soil mm-hmm. uh and giving the microbes something to feed on um so you know typically though you know there's not a whole lot of fall crops that i really enjoy well okay. i mean but a lot of people you know, do though. i know but yeah. you know I, I can buy a few greens at the grocery yeah. store or something like that yeah what I would, I'm usually more interested in is putting a, a green manure on there, planting rape or annual ryegrass or something like that in preparation for next year. Okay, for I mean, crops. so you, even though you, you, if you had a garden plot, then and you were not going to plant fall veggies, I'd still put a cover the crop out there. And a cover crop, yes. Right. I had a client, excuse me, a couple years back, and she wanted to stall, start for the first time gardening, vegetable gardening in the fall. Mm. And I told her, hmm. This is going to be the worst time ever to learn or to start because it's so hard. We need to have them in the ground now or the seeds starting now, but we're still too warm. But if we don't start them now, then it's going to be too cold. So maybe we need to shelter them from the shade on down the line. And when we come back after break, we'll try to translate that. Thank you, Jim. (laughs) Got to have you all around for translators. We'll be right back. I've noticed that when I go to the shopping mall and buy one of the towels, they just don't seem to work very well. They feel too soft and too lotion-y. They just don't absorb the water. Well, our good friend Mike Lindell over at MyPillow has found a solution, and you've got to get yourself one of his brand new towels. These things are incredible, and best of all, they're made right here in the U.S., and all of his towels come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You're going to be able to get a six-piece set, two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, all made with USA cotton. They are soft yet absorbent, and you're normally going to pay over $100, but thanks to our good friend Mike Lindell, $39.99. That's it. It's a great deal. All you have to do, go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Just enter the promo code STARNS or you can call 800-839-8506 for some incredible radio specials. Again, MyPillow.com, promo code STARNS. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Mid-South Garden. You know, we're just Mid-South Gardeners. 
doing the Mid-South Gardening yep. at Mid-South Gardening. And if you haven't joined our Facebook group, we invite you to Mid-South Gardening. We've got uh, about 7,000 members there. It's a really cool group where you can brag and you can ask questions and um, invite you to join us. A lot of good information there. Just 7,000? Yep. A little uh, over 7,000. Well, you there. can call oh, now and brag as well if you would like to brag. And you can ask questions, too. Yeah, you can give us a call, 260-5926. 260-5926. And if you're calling from outside the local calling area, this is a free call. 1-844-747-8868. 844-747-8868. Jim, you said we got a couple affiliates. Uh, yep. Yep, we want to welcome back. We have uh, WNIX in Greenville, Mississippi that's joining us now, AM 1330 and FM 101.1, and mm-hmm. also in Chattanooga, Nooga Radio 92.7 FM. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you over there. If you've got any questions, again, the number is 844-747-8868. And then, of course, I hate to say this, but you can always go to the Mighty 990 uh, Facebook page and go to kwmradio.com. Why do you hate to say that? Did you say I that? I don't know why he hates to say know. that. Well, I love to say it, but I just don't want to just beat people to death with it. Oh, I got you. I got you. I still love uh, Nuga Radio. Nuga Radio. <laughs> <laughs> like Nuga. But I love Nuga Radio. You, know, the, you got the Delta down in Greenville, and then you have uh, you know kind of a little higher elevation in Chattanooga. So do you uh, think love the, both of those places? Do the Delta people have any questions about soil? Is they've their soil it, just they've awesome? They've got it made. Yeah, I mean they've got the you know the sedimentation that's come from the Mississippi River over mm-hmm. the last you know million years or whatever. Um, people don't really they don't understand how lucky they are to have good soil. Right. You know, go out there with a shovel or, or a trowel and just dig a hole and put something in there and put the dirt back around it and it grows like a weed. Um, yeah, I think almost in our area that the biggest disappointment or hardship for people moving from other areas like northern areas or places that have really good soil is they can't grow anything. They're frustrated because of the amount of time, effort, and money you have to spend on soil. It's really foreign to them. Why do I have to buy my soil when it's in present in the past been great soil and all I had to do was buy the plants? And it's because we just have dirt here. We don't have soil. <laughs> we have soil. We have clay soil, which is absolutely the best thing you want to start with. That's so right. But as long as you're amending, and as that's their problem. They don't want to amend anything. Well, naturally well of growing course, clay. that's what they're talking about. We're, we're not about. done with this conversation, Jim. <laughs> we've got Tom on line one. We're going to talk to him, but then we're going to come back to what do you mean when you just said we've got clay soil here and you love it? And I what you guys point to me and say, what do you mean when you say dirt instead <laughs> of soil? <laughs> Dirt's what you get up off the kitchen floor. <laughs> no, but I've seen some dirt. We have soil. What what that what about when you look out there and that dirt's just blowing off the off the dirt? Yeah. Cuz soil has microorganisms and it's really rich and wonderful and of course soil's got a little clay, but sometimes we just have dead dirt. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's how the people that come from areas that have great soil look at ours as dead dirt. Dirt just doesn't work. I think dirt is what you make into a clod and you throw it at one at each well, other. Well, I was uh had I had been reading something right about soils and all that, and the statement was there's dirt and then there's soil. And I want to go with the soil level, yes. Yeah, but anyway, or is there just getting dirt on people? Let's go to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for calling. Uh, concerning the conversation uh, about. 
Army Worm. Yes, sir. I was looking uh, this this morning uh, on my patio, and I had a triangular uh, area coming out of uh, coming out of the uh, zoysia. Mm-hmm. It's always been a little uh, Bermuda. Do the worms attack zoysia also? They, the short answer is yes. They'll attack uh, really any type of, of grass that's out there. They prefer Bermuda, uh, but they'll, they most definitely will eat zoysia also. Yes, sir. Well, this one area that my wife and I both agreed on was a triangular area, a very small area. Mm-hmm. But uh, I noticed that when we were short of rain a couple of weeks back, mm-hmm. I watered it good. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we got plenty. And it's just obvious a looking uh, kind of dead, yeah, brown dog. And I'm just wondering, am I supposed to be able to see an army worm, or they're down in there getting after the roots? No, they're on top of the soil. That's the nice thing about army worms is they don't eat the roots. Otherwise, we'd be much more concerned about them. They just eat the green part right. on the top. But they could have come and gone. They do that really quick. Mm-hmm. So uh, I see new green down in there uh, in, the, in that Bermuda area. Yeah, so and, and that's, and that's typically start. yeah, Tom. I mean, that's what it sounds like happened. Um, you know, because you've got such a small area there. You know, they could have come and gone, like Jim was saying, in just no time because they can show up in large numbers and they can do a lot of damage right. in a short amount of time. But if you're seeing green come back in there, uh, that's really important. Uh, I mean, because a lot of times if your lawn's turning brown, you know, you can, you know, if you never water, you know, that can do it. But, you know, that wasn't the case. If you put way too much fertilizer down or the wrong type of fertilizer down and don't water it in, that can burn it. But, you know, if that would be the case. Lots of weed killer. Lots of weed killer are using the wrong solution rate on the weed killers. Uh, Right. So if you can eliminate all that, it sounds like, yeah, you had some army worms march through all right. Well, we'll just uh, deal with that unsightly place until it greens up. There you that go, works. Tom. Well, great. Thanks for the call, Tom. See, and, the and I do want to give a still big shout out for uh, Miss Jan Childers, who uh, she heard us talking about not having coffee this morning, and she was sweet enough to bring, uh, uh, you know, a nice uh, jug of coffee you're up mis- here. You're totally mistakenly. That was Elvis. She did come in dressed as Elvis, you know. Yeah, she sure it was did. Elvis. Yeah. The sunglasses, <laughs> the sideburns, the whole bit. Oh, but, I th- that uh, was Jan? But I do want to say you, thank Jan. you to her. Thank yeah, absolutely. So, anywho, back to army worms. Nope, we've done army worms a lot. What's a new topic? What do people really want to know out there? Well, I wanted to know what Jim, on? when he mentioned, we were talking about refreshing our garden oh plot. right we were on the soil the okay. dirt and then we were talking about you know they're you know the people that live in the delta like the fine people down in greenville how they basically have delta soil um you know which is really the best honestly um in here of course we've got heavy clay soil and jim was bragging about our clay soil right. and i just wanted to understand and really what he meant by that well clay you know <clears throat> if you got to start with something clay is the best because the particle size is so tremendously small. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get a lot, a a lot of bondage. Well, yeah, but it, it's good for holding nutrients right. and water. Right. Okay, They're very, very tiny particles. And the, the problem is with clay is we typically want to grow things that aren't used to a clay soil. Mm-hmm. So we have to do some loosening and refreshing the soil. 
uh, at least to get it established. And some plants even then will go backwards after time because it just doesn't like clay soil. So that's when you have to think about elevated beds. There's really, you know, there's not much you can't grow here if you do it in elevated beds. Um, Now, when you uh, you do a raised bed, right, uh, and then you're, but you're still. You're still using some of that clay you soil. Still want aren't you? clay yeah. in there, right? Because <clears throat> it will drain too quickly. You've got to have some clay for nutrient retention and water retention. So you know, it depends on what you're growing. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, I did the bed I did last year it has about forty percent clay in it and about forty percent sand and about twenty percent organic matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and this year I will add organic matter to the top of it. You know, and as I do site planning next year that'll all get turned in yeah i've got some perennials that you know i won't lift or anything they'll just be there and they'll benefit from you know those added um nutrients as they break down so you know it's so clay is our friend clay is our friend yes if you just look at it that way and remember that you know it's not the clay it's you Right, okay. right. It's I what mean, you you're trying to grow in. Definitely have to have the clay mixed in because, I mean, how hard is it to amend sandy soil? Yeah. It's right. like almost impossible. That's right. Because yeah, you it's go ask not the people that live down in Mud Island down there, right on the uh, river. Yes, we're, we're doing a job down there. And I'm just like, I didn't know this was a beach in your yeah, backyard. A of, literally a beach. Yeah. So we're amending, amending, amending. But like when people build new beds, we have a um, compost mix that has topsoil in it. And if they no, were, we're talking about peat-based topsoil or bark-based bark, topsoil. Bark, compost-based topsoil. Yeah. And so if they were doing a raised bed or like a garden box, I would make sure they started with the one that has the topsoil in it because it's the heavier soil. Yeah. And if they went with just a really light bark compost, it's just going to drain out so fast. It won't hold nutrients. It'd take it a while to compost down and other yeah so many other well but that's why though that when we're typically growing veggies uh, in a plot not a raised bed but it just in a, in a garden plot uh that we still want to go in there and amend our clay mm-hmm. uh, and the best way you know typically you only really have to have about five percent compost in your soil uh, to have it amended honestly yeah um, but that's why I like to go in there and just dump something like cottonburg compost or the manure that you were talking about early, Veda. Uh, put a good layer of compost down. Uh, typically put some lime down to keep that pH up. Put some garden tone or something like that down. Work all that in. Rake it smooth. Then you're ready to come back and replant. You know? Yeah. yeah. You're good to and go. And I do well, the same thing in the spring for the uh, spring and veggie. Uh, spring and summer veggies. Spring and veggies. Spring and well, summer veggies. like Jim said, too, um, we're having to amend our soil so much because we're planting things that, we, that don't grow here naturally. Mm-hmm. So, which is definitely what I've done in landscape, too. When we've planted hollies... I've, you know, dug the hole twice as big as a root ball, basically amended it somewhat, but not just, you know, not lots and lots of amendments because it's a You're not replacing all the soil that you took right. out of the hole. You were amending the soil right. that you took out of the you hole. You know, and chop up the side of the hole so the roots can, right. can grow out better. But if I was planting a Daphne... Jim, tell us the soil on a dash. Same thing with like a rhododendron. It would be almost on top the ground, okay, Mm -hmm. and I'd build a mound and then, you know, so that it's four inches or so above the ground level and nice and wide, probably three to four Mm -hmm. feet wide. Uh, Otherwise, it's going to drown probably. Right, and I'm going to use the earth mix that has the shale in Mm -hmm. it. And then uh, I know you all sell it 
the same too, I think a different name. But that shell helps, not S-H-E-E-L, S-H-A-L-E, yeah, right? Yeah, that helps with, um, with drainage and keeps the soil from compacting. It's kind of a rock and uh, type base thing. And so that would help with your drainage. So I'm definitely going to, we're going to plant one. Well, and then another week, plant so. that just comes to mind, uh, you know, is lavender, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are certain plants out there that just won't tolerate wet feet at all you know you mentioned uh the daphne you mentioned you know i mentioned rhododendron dogwoods uh, dogwoods uh you know and the lavender being the same way Mm -hmm. yeah you better have that soil amended to where you're creating really good drainage and that's why we're doing it you know it's funny that we relate roots to feet (laughs) (laughs) wet feet feet. yeah i know no plant likes wet feet i'm like i'd just like to see some feet on some plants well (laughs) you know every plant has this maximum amount of time that it will allow the roots being co- covered with water and some of them are very short yeah okay yes, yes. um so the, i remember back from college white pines if they're if the soils are saturated more than 18 percent of the time they'll die yeah okay they just will not tolerate that much water and we had a couple of back on it's been 10 or 12 years ago now we had two summers in a row where the august rains just were just phenomenally large and we had white pines all around town dropping because they were used to that time of the year being in very dry soil and so you know it's you have to be careful um sometimes like that and kenneth's over here making these <laughs> like we gotta go moves. for like, a break yes. to a break he can't even think now okay. see my, my back is to the producer <laughs> yeah. so I, I can't see him so. <laughs> all right y'all we are going to go to a break think about some great gardening questions and give us a call 844-747-8868 Call with your garden questions now, 844-747-8868. This is Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 KWAM and streaming online at Mighty990.com. No matter where you're going, take along Brim Snack Foods to make your day even tastier. Cheese puffs, cheese curls, cracklins, cheddar fries, popcorn, pork rinds, potato chips, tortilla and corn chips, and so much more. Family owned and operated, Brim's has been serving communities for almost 40 years. And their delicious snacks have been sold throughout the South. Brim's Snack Foods. Life is so delicious. Hello, friends. Todd Starnes here, and I want to invite you to my annual Faith and Freedom Celebration at Truett McConnell University. Join me and my very special guest, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, as we celebrate America and raise much-needed scholarship funds for Truett McConnell. Our Faith and Freedom Celebration is a once-in-a-lifetime moment to meet some of the top newsmakers and decision-makers in the nation. Tickets are selling fast, so make your reservations right now, September 24th at Truett McConnell University. Go to truett.edu. Sight and Sound Theaters presents the Biblical Stage Adventure. Who exactly is he? He's a miracle worker, a healer, a prophet. This Jesus is a rebel. Everything Jesus does points to love. Seen by more than one million people, the original stage production is now playing for the first time ever in Branson, Missouri. Jesus, live on stage at Sight and Sound Theaters in Branson, Missouri. More information is available at sight-sound.com. 
America has a new choice for fair and balanced news. ToddStarns.com. Journalism you can trust. From some of the best reporters and opinion writers in the business, ToddStarns.com takes you to the front lines of the culture war, defending faith, freedom, and your family. ToddStarns.com also features exclusive interviews with America's top newsmakers like Mike Huckabee, Franklin Graham, and Newt Gingrich. Find out why millions of Americans read ToddStarns.com every day. It's news you can trust. ToddStarns.com. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We've had a great hour and a half, and we have another hour and a half left. Yeah. You've got to send us your questions on Facebook Live or call us in, call in, give us a question that way. Otherwise, we totally have lots of topics to talk about. Yeah, but if you want to give us a call, 260-5926, 260-5926, and you're calling from outside the local calling area, guys, uh, free number 844-747-8868, 844-747-8868. I did have someone shoot me a text, Mr. John Hager. He said, uh, good morning, guys. He wants to do his own uh, DIY lawn maintenance uh, but he wants to use more or less granulated products. Now, he doesn't mind going out there and doing some spot treating uh, for weed control using a liquid. But overall, he wants to use granulated products. Right. And I'm totally with him because I always just want to go with granule because I don't want to do the spraying. I don't want to drag the hose around. Mm-hmm. I don't want to try to do the measuring. So it can totally be done And you know, granule. And we also want to know if there's a place where he could go to get, uh, you know, a kind of like a chart Mm-hmm. of uh, what to use, when to use on Bermuda and Zoysia. He's got Bermuda in the front, and I think Zoysia in the back is what Mr. John said. So, Jim, what are your thoughts? Um, using granulated products. Well, absolutely. You know, the, the first and most important thing is get on a pre-emerge program. And do yeah, what is that? Well, pre-emerge is stop weed seed from germinating. Well, as they germinate, it kills the little uh, fine root that's mm-hmm. uh, trying to penetrate the ground. So it keeps you from having any weeds. So it kills the weeds before they ever come up. Right. So in, depending on what you use, um, we typically recommend Dimension because it's economical. Uh, you can use it on your flower beds also. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some other ones like uh, there's one I particularly like called Gallery. Uh, it's one of the few things that will control gripe weed uh, if that's a problem. looks like a little mimosa. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Dimension will do an excellent job for you. And if you'll do it four times a year, and that's February, May, September, December, you will stay ahead of everything pretty much. And after you've been on it for a year, you just won't have much, you know. Mm-hmm. You may you'll have to spot spray a few perennial weeds that you might have, but you know, that that should take care so of So you're gonna use a pre emergent, something like Dimension, uh every three months, Jim. Yes. Uh through the growing season. That's on Bermuda and Zoysia established lawns. Uh, now, you don't ever want to put a pre-emergent down in an area where you're going to come back and put seed down. That's correct. Like fescue, mm-hmm. if you're going to do it within the next three months. So the pre-emergent is number one, and that's definitely right. granulated. And then get on a good fertilizer program with a good turf fertilizer, okay? Something that's got a little bit of no, of quick-release nitrogen, but mostly long-term release nitrogen. Like a 2804. Yeah. Most people are on a once-a-week mowing pattern, and Bermuda just grows faster than that. Zoysia, you can get away with, you know, fertilizing it a little more, but um, Zoysia doesn't need as much fertilizer as Bermuda does to maintain a good turf. Now, could you, but could you feed that Zoysia 
the same product and the same frequency as you're feeding your Bermuda? You can. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. So basically, there's a granule fertilizer. You can do either synthetic or organic. Mm-hmm. I use it like three times a year, mm-hmm. pre-emergent three to four times a year. Mm-hmm. And um, and then lime. Of course, lime do. is going to be granulated yeah, lime, also. Check it, right. check it out. Now, I also, though, have one liquid product that I use, and that's like the um, Roots, the Fox Farm Soil Enhancer. It's all liquid. And add humic ma- acid. That's in granule, too. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call. 844-747-8868. And uh, check us out on Facebook Live. And um, so we were talking about humic acid. And I just wanted to throw in there real quick because we're probably going to be changing subjects. Because we haven't talked about eggshells yet. Yep, we're going to talk about eggshells here in a minute. But the humic acid um, isn't. You can find it in organic products. I too. read about humic acid. Yeah. I was reading about it last night, Beta. It's uh, and we've sold it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get humic acid in granulated form. You can also get it in a liquid form that you spray yeah. on your lawn. Uh, and mostly, humic acid is like a a dump truck of compost that you're applying mm-hmm. to your lawn. Yeah, but it's in a liquid form, the, and it's really granulated. easy. Yeah, yeah, or the granules. So, yeah. So, Kenneth's saying, like, it's equivalent of yeah. a dump truck full of compost. I mean, just think of that when yeah. you think of humic acid. Yeah, exactly. And who can go wrong with that? It just builds soil structure. But, uh, John, uh, to answer your question, I mean, yes, sir, there are uh, granulated products, of course, that you can use. Uh, to take care of your Bermuda and your zoysia, other than, like you just said, or texted, John, that you can go out there always and just kind of spot treat uh, the weeds with a liquid product. But if you're using the pre-emergence, if you're using the lawn foods, if you're keeping your pH up, of course, by applying the lime, um, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. As far as uh, finding, uh, you know, a lawn maintenance sheet with the dates on it. I've got one on on the uh, on our Facebook group for shade lawns, but I'm not sure that I put one yet for Bermuda, and I'll I'll work on that yeah. next yeah, day. Yeah, and, and we've had them out. at Dan West. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I can come up with one. John, you can give me a call, uh, and I'll see if I can uh, come up with one, which I'm sure I can. But it's pretty neat just to have kind of like that. You know, the dates on mm-hmm. there, what you should do and what date you right. should do them on. So it makes and, it really easy. Yeah, and that's why I like the organic method. You don't have to do a date. You know, not follow a date. Just just put it out whenever. And works great for me. I don't know why people roll their eyes at me with organic stuff when I have beautiful yards. Oh, sure. Beautiful gardens. Hardly had to use any chemicals. But people still roll their eyes at me. No, either way. Whether you're putting organic products down or mm-hmm. synthetic products down, I mean, you still want to do it the right way. Uh, but the good thing for John, though, is you can definitely get by using mostly granulated mm-hmm. products to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. No problem with yeah. that. Okay, Jim, eggshells. Okay. You, the question is, do they do any good adding them to your compost? And I read, like I told you in the first hour, they have tons of calcium in them, so it's got to be a good thing. And do they do any good to put them under tomatoes yes. for blossom end rot? Well, the answer is no. 
<laughs> just shot me like, down. Yes. All right. No. Eggshells are ninety six percent calcium carbonate. Okay. You know what calcium carbonate is? That's lime. Okay. Okay, so it's good to put lime up under tomatoes though. Okay. But, you know, how many times have we had people lime their tomatoes and they still get blossom in rock? A lot. Okay. Yeah. It's because calcium carbonate, particularly in wet soils, is not available. That calcium is not available to that plant. Mm-hmm. And when you buy lime, it's going to have on the label what mesh it will go through. The finer it is, the more expensive it is, and the better it works. In the state of Tennessee, it has to pass through a certain mesh. Otherwise, you can't even sell it as lime because it doesn't work like you want it to, mm. the finer it is. So unless you grind those eggshells to the consistency of talcum powder, they're not going to do anything for adding calcium to your uh, compost pile, to your ground. Now, they're not going to raise your pH. Not eventually they wouldn't do it. And, and they won't, okay? Uh, Robert Pavlis, who does the, who's written a couple of books on garden myths, did a five-year test where he took a half an eggshell, very, yeah. put it inside of a protective, like, little tiny laundry basket mm-hmm. and planted five of them in the ground, yeah. okay, identical uh, with compost around them, yeah. and dug one up each year at the fifth year, it still looked exactly like it did when it went in the ground. Wow. It doesn't break down, okay? So you can throw them in there, but whatever size they are, they're going to be that size, okay? Wow. Now, a lot of times people think, you know, that it disappears in the course of working mm-hmm. it, but it's just breaking up into smaller particles, mm-hmm. but not near as small as it needs to be to do, be any benefit. The other thing people say is, well, it prevents slugs from crawling across it because mm-hmm. it cuts them. Don't believe a word of it you know there are billions of videos on face on on youtube that show slugs running right across eggshells if it's so, on the internet it's true well you know how many times yeah, i've said right. people are throwing bricks at the radio because of what jim says yeah. i know so, here's another one here, here's a case where you know if you're going to add eggshells to and, and and here's another thing too technically they're not organic so if you're an organic gardener you really shouldn't use them um, yeah, but those it, chickens are full of chemicals. Yeah, if, if you, they are good for that. They're good for chickens, okay, mm-hmm. and birds, okay. You can break them up in small pieces and feed them to your chickens. Um, but the, there's it, really no if it's gardening. fine. It, you know, the the worms will take it. But if they're not small enough, they can actually do damage to your worms. So they're detrimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the best thing to do is if if you really want to put eggshells in there is ground them up into a use a mortar and pestle ground them up into really fine powder or put a little add a little water to them and put them in a in a food processor and grind them into an eggshell milkshake and then you can pour that around your plant and you may get a little bit of benefit from it. So it's really you're it, saying it's just not it's, really it's really a waste of time as far as the benefit that you're going to get from them. See, but there again, there's one of those, you know, myths that people, uh, I mean, I've, I've always heard of people using eggshells. You know, there will be people listening to what I'm saying and going, that he is a fool. I've been doing it for mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And, you know, you see what you want to see. Yeah. Okay? I'm still going to do the, it. The sci- right, <laughs> I'm she's still going to do it. Do it. Yeah. The science behind it, though, is just not there. Yeah, I mean, it just gonna. doesn't do it. Or it's, it's like, not you know, evolved Veda enough. is still fighting me with organic nitrogen because plants can't take in organic nitrogen. You can give them all you want no, and you they gotta, can't eat it. Right. Well, bacteria has to break it down into synthetic. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with that. So yes. if you just use a synthetic fertilizer, you're taking a shortcut. 
No, I don't agree with that. See? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about the health part all and the easy part because you cannot tell me I'm wrong when you looked at my yard and all that. And I just did it all organic. And if I if I had known all this t- before, t- 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 I absolutely... Tell me again where you live. At which In time? the apartment? Yes. <laughs> But not forever. I'm 57. I couldn't. I hadn't lived there forever. <laughs> but um, it worked. It really worked for me. And so what if the eggshells, you know, are going to do that? I'm still going to enjoy feeling good and filling up my compost pile with something. A lot yeah. of people will use it uh, to start seed in, and they think they just go ahead and plant that. Well, the roots will not get out of that. That, that would make sense. Unless you get it down <laughs> below where the roots can come over the top. Okay. But yeah. I tell you what's pretty amazing, though, is some of these debunking some of these garden myths uh, that you know we have been doing forever. And we're, we're going to kind of go over some of those again mm. just because we have a whole new sets of listeners here with our, our affiliates, which we you know, do appreciate you guys mm. and Greenville and Chattanooga joining us. Yeah, and then and i got to so. say this real quick because this is the one that I told you when Jim came up with this garden myth. Uh, you know, I didn't know it was a myth, okay, but Jim kind of debunked it. So me and my mother, she heard it, and she, we were talking about it uh, when I was got home that afternoon, that night. She was over having dinner with us, and we basically got into an argument mm-hmm. over this. But it made sense, though, and what I'm talking about is putting a lot of gravel in the bottom of a pot, you know, for drainage purposes and putting your soil on top. Uh, not only does it not help, it makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> and my mother was like, you well, have so, lost your mind, and so was Jim. So, and you know, when I hear these things, I go try it out again. And so far, my one with the gravel is fine. My one without the gravel is fine. So far. Oh, sure. Now, I've only went, you know, three months. And, so and Jim's far, not saying don't, you know, don't put any gravel in the bottom of a pot. Well, you can put it in there. It's just not helping anything. Yeah. And but, it's not hurting. But, but it put, is more effort, more money. But if you put a lot of gravel down there, where some mm-hmm. people put, you know, four or five inches of gravel in the bottom of a pot, right? Right. And then they put the soil on top of that. Well, like Jim said, all you're doing is pushing the water table up. Mm-hmm. To the closer to the roots, and that can be, become a problem. I'm trying to, because wouldn't that be the same concept in self watering pots? Well, I mean, the self, the, but the water on a self watering pot is still at the very bottom of the pot. Right. Same with the gravel. And it's just no. siphoning back up right. as it needs yeah. it. Right. Where the, the wettest part of the pot with a lot of gravel in it mm-hmm. is the bottom of the soil but right there. Wow, that's what I can't get. I still can't grasp that. I don't know. I have to think this harder. <laughs> think through it harder because i just did it and it's working on both ways but i still want to figure this out <laughs> okay it's just in the one that you put gravel in you have less soil mass mm-hmm. okay no that's a fact so you have the same amount of roots assuming the plants are growing but that one has less soil mass so it's mm-hmm. going to dry quicker than the one where you didn't put the gravel the gravel in yeah okay yeah, and we're not saying that well, moisture, I mean, we're not saying that drainage is, you know, not important. It's very right. important when you're growing, especially even in containers, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, it was a myth, though, that uh, that was debunked, and it just took me a long time to wrap my head around yeah, it still all. Because, yeah, I'm picturing that you water it, the water goes down, okay, goes through the gravel, sits at the bottom. When, when you <laughs> water soil, okay, mm-hmm. a particle of soil doesn't get any water until the particle above it has 100% plus, mm-hmm. okay? Right, makes sense. Then it starts to move down. Well, eventually it gets to the very bottom of your soil. It holds 100% of the water it can, mm-hmm. okay, and then stops. Now, if you've got gravel under it or not, 
that still is the same. So that wettest soil that's holding 100% of its water is either at the bottom of the pot Mm -hmm. or you push it upwards. With the gravel. Right. And if you do that, the soil that was the driest at the top, you've lost. Mm -hmm. So now Mm -hmm. you have a wetter soil mass than you had as far as water ratio to what you had. Which is great in the summer because then you've got reserved water. <laughs> it's just no talking to the girls. No, I'm there's not. You. I am so hard-headed, I've heard. Because then, okay, we got to go to break. Dad, we're going to go to break. <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll take your questions at 844-747-8868. This is Mid-South Gardening. On the Mighty 990 KWAM and streaming online at Mighty990.com. I've noticed that when I go to the shopping mall and buy one of the towels, they just don't seem to work very well. They feel too soft and too lotion-y. They just don't absorb the water. Well, our good friend Mike Lindell over at MyPillow has found a solution, and you've got to get yourself one of his brand new towels. These things are incredible, and best of all, they're made right here in the U.S., and all of his towels come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You're going to be able to get a six-piece set, two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, all made with USA cotton. They are soft yet absorbent and you're normally going to pay over $100. But thanks to our good friend Mike Lindell, $39.99. That's it. It's a great deal. All you have to do, go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Just enter the promo code STARNS or you can call 800-839-8506 for some incredible radio specials. Again, MyPillow.com, promo code STARNS. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's degree to 49595. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. America is in a funk. And that's why I wrote our daily biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl. It's a collection of inspirational and encouraging and hilarious stories about exceptional Americans who are doing good deeds. Stories about faith and family, God and country. I do have hope for America because my hope is not based on a political party. My hope is built on a much higher power. Our daily biscuit, it's a buttermilk biscuit for the soul. Good morning. Welcome back. Give us a call. 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. Five nine two six. And you were, you know, we were talking about uh, drainage and so forth, guys, because a lot of people grow a lot of different things in containers, house plants, mm-hmm. outdoor plants on down the line. What is y'all's take on what type of pot? Do y'all care if it's a nice looking, lightweight pot, whether it's a plastic mm-hmm. pot, you know, a, 
uh, epoxy pot or do y'all concrete clay what, what? it's got to be beautiful that's all you care i mean as long as it looks good you're fine because you can grow anything in any kind of container you're saying you can but there's still some discerning you really need to do but usually i'm like if it looks good i'll make it work if it's going to get tall or catch wind then i'm going to pick a heavier pot concrete yeah. uh, glazed pottery that clay or whatever or if it's here, on your here front. is a case you know if you're using like growing a large ficus or a large palm or something you've got a nice big pot but if you set it outside it's going to blow it over gotcha. so here's a case where you may put 100 pounds of rock in the bottom right it's not there for drainage but it is there to keep the pot from falling got over. it or being stolen right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. we used to do that because particularly over in midtown a lot of people mm-hmm. used to have big containers out on the front porch and they would walk away at night yeah so yeah. we just put you know Oh, they shouldn't put pot feet under them, since that, that way they wouldn't walk away at night. <laughs> See, she's been I that way. I figured it out. But um, anyway, 150 pounds or 200 pounds of gravel, which doesn't take up much space in the bottom of a pot. Uh, helps will, keep it anchored. It, it will stay there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and also, what about uh, you know the idea that clay uh, and concrete uh, are more porous? So... You know, you have that air. You You're know, talking that, about the pots are more. Yeah, porous, the, yeah, yes, and so you know, plants that you put in there, you typically have to water more often than, say, plants that you put in, say, plastic uh, that holds mm-hmm. moisture in that soil longer because yeah, you don't have that true. transpiration through the side of the pot. I mean, that's why I was asking: Do y'all have any uh, favors on whether you plant in clay or whether you plant in plastic? No, because my focus is on the soil. Okay, you know, and it's just you know checking it, sticking right. your finger down in there, butt knuckle deep, and seeing if it's wet. Mm-hmm. And you know, if it is, then I don't water it. And if it's dry, then I water it. Right. If I'm not sure, I wait. I mean, it's there. You go. That's true. That's <laughs> got to figure it out. That's right. Well, and it's more situational in the pot that I'm choosing to. Like Jim said, you want heavyweight pots. For if certain you're areas, tall plants outside. Yeah, how about bigger pots so you don't have to water all the time? But that's yeah. a yes and a no. You know, uh-huh. you can't. You don't want to put a small plant in a big pot, like a house plant. Yes, yeah. because you've got all that soil around that small house plant, and you're thinking, okay, I'll just let it grow into this pot, right? Not so fast. It's bizarre, but you've got to give us some science on that one, Jim. Well, well, the, that soil, but also you don't want to put a big plant in a small pot. Well, Same, exactly. Yeah. But the reason you don't want to put a small house plant into a big pot, or let's just say you got a house plant. It's in an 8-inch pot, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, if it's an 8-inch, I'm going to put it in a 12-inch. No. Yeah. You want to go one size up. And the reason behind that is because you're going to, t- you're going to put a lot more soil in a bigger pot, a lot more soil is going to hold a lot more moisture right. than soil in a smaller pot. Uh, and so, then you run into the issue of if the soil is different from the original root ball, then you've got another yeah. issue. That's why you break the root ball. The root yeah. ball can dry and, and actually repel water around the outside mm-hmm. of it. and Or if all the soil dries, it will pull away from the side of the pot, and you'll water it, and water will run around the side of it. Yes. So that's why it's a good idea to, once you water and let the water sit in the, in the saucer for 20 minutes or so, then pour off any excess. Okay, Let it back siphon so that it gets all of your soil saturated, then pour it off. You don't want water sitting in there all the time. Absolutely right. not. Yeah. Well, and that's really mostly for house plants. If you're planting like mm-hmm. in a four inch pot, you need to go a six inch pot. That's right. Because, you know, like I'll plant one plant that I want to grow, like a hibiscus, a small four inch hibiscus in like a 10 inch pot. Yeah. 
because I want it to have plenty of room to grow, and that works. Yeah, but I mean, if you, I put a house, and that's what I want to know, what is the difference? Well, and you're right. I mean, you can go buy a little gym magnolia, mm-hmm. you know, and put it in a 40-inch pot if you yeah, want, and right. it's going to be just fine. But you don't go, I mean, it just house plants. I'm telling you. you I mean, and it, it's true, yeah. but I just w- always wondered why. They go, oh, well, the roots like to be root-bound on house plants, so that's why it's only a size up. I'm thinking maybe it's just easier to overwater house and you plants can go, indoors. I mean, you know, tip, you can go one or two sizes up, but you don't go from a 6-inch no. pot to a 12-inch exactly. pot when it comes to a house plant. It just doesn't work that way. Is that right? Jim's <laughs> looking, looking I'm just at you. Here, you know? <laughs> I'm waiting for you to argue with well, and me. And Jim now. said, you know, and, and we've always said this too, guys. Uh, you know, you, as long as you're using a good, high quality potting soil uh, for your containers, uh, especially when it comes to house plants, there again, uh, you don't want to go out there and find the cheapest potting soil you can find. It, it makes a huge difference. Uh, when you de- depending on the type of soil that you use, and you know I've had people try their best to grow house plants in beautiful containers that have no drainage. In fact, I was talking to a lady yeah. just the other day. She's got this porcelain pot, no drainage holes in the bottom, and she's been trying to grow house plants in it. And I'm going, Ooh. why and how? You know, yeah. I said, get you a pot that has drainage. Set it down in there. Use your beautiful pot just as your decorative pot. You can always pull your pot, your plastic pot out, go water it, and put it back in there. And she's like, you know what? Well, you know, I have to say that I'm not arguing or saying it doesn't work or make any sense with the gravel thing. I just can't get my head wrapped around it. But there's a few experiments that I'm going to try that they say how to make you understand. Sometimes I have to understand visually. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that and see what happens. And I'll get back to you so y'all remind me I'm going to do that, okay? She's trying to debunk your debunk, Jim. No, I'm just trying to understand because it's frustrating to my brain right now. We'll be right back. When it comes to fresh, you can always taste the difference. That's why at Farmview Market, you'll always find 100% grass-fed beef. No hormones, no antibiotics, just pure pasture-raised grass-fed beef. And that care and devotion goes into all of our products at FarmView Market. Taste the difference yourself by visiting farmviewmarket.com. Carry-out and curbside services are still available. FarmView Market, farm-to-table fresh, always. farmviewmarket.com. America has a new choice for fair and balanced news. ToddStarns.com. Journalism you can trust. From some of the best reporters and opinion writers in the business, ToddStarns.com takes you to the front lines of the culture war, defending faith, freedom, and your family. ToddStarns.com also features exclusive interviews with America's top newsmakers like Mike Huckabee, Franklin Graham, and Newt Gingrich. Find out why millions of Americans read ToddStarns.com every day. It's news you can trust. ToddStarns.com. The garden help you need now. Mid South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. And welcome back to Mid South Gardening. We're broadcasting from our flagship station here in Memphis, KWAM. We also want to. Uh, Welcome our newest affiliates to join us, WNIX in Greenville, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. That's AM 1330 and FM 101.1. Thank you very much for listening. And also Nuga Radio in Chattanooga, 92.7. Welcome to the Mid-South Gardening. 
Uh, we have a rather unique show here. We sit and banter and 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 make fun of each other, and and, and actually, you'll learn a little something. But too, just off so. air, though, Jim. Yeah. No, and it, it sounded like we and Jim were pretty much getting yeah. bantering each other. But if you, <laughs> if you want to give us a call, guys, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. Of course, you can go to kwamradio.com. And then always the Mighty 990 and shoot us a text that way on Facebook. And join our Facebook group if you hadn't Mid-South Gardening. Uh, It's a place to show what you've done, ask questions, um, identify insects and plants. So, you know, join us. It's time to get down to brass tacks. Mm -hmm. Have you all ever wondered where that saying came from? Are you about to tell us? I'm so going to tell you. Okay. Okay. So it's. Hold on. Does it have anything to do with gardening at all? Absolutely not. Okay. I'm still listening. Okay. So. All right. Back in the day, the day, they used to use tacks on coffins for the decor- decorative part. Yeah. And so when Abraham Lincoln died, they uh, used tacks to embellish the coffin, but they used brass because the silver was not um, prominent enough. Mm-hmm. Is that the word? Didn't have enough of it. Right. So when they... Um, did everything you're supposed to do for the funeral thing and then they start putting the tax in that's when they would say um no we're talking about t-a-c-k-s not t-a-x right (laughs) t-a-c-k which came which came a little later right (laughs) yeah that um it came um, what was happening was when they got down to putting the brass tax into the coffin that meant that uh, very serious business of death. Yeah. So that's where we. So came when we're up getting with, down to the brass tax, we're getting that's down. That's like when the fat lady sings. Yeah, yeah we're getting yeah, serious. That. But then there was another one that said that it was came from upholstering, and that by the time <clears throat> you got ready, when you were taking the brass tax out, that meant you were fixing to do your creativity. Mm. So when you're getting down to brass tax, now it's fixing to happen. So that one wasn't as proved as much as the uh, one that you embellish the uh, coffins with. Gotcha. So let's get down to brass tacks. Love it. You know, I learn something new every day. Yeah. I'm sure that helped you in your garden. There's some kind of way. Well, you know, everybody has a brass tack, though. Uh, yeah. Just, Time to get it done. Yeah. Yes. You know. <laughs> There we go. And kind of, and just kind of a recap, guys. You know, we're first uh, hour we were really talking about you know the old dog days of uh, summer. How you know where that came? No, I'm not going to tell you. Well, go Jim's going to talk about what the dog days. <laughs> we're going to talk about dog day cicadas, right? And the many ones that are singing right now. Yeah, they so called annual cicadas. Um, oh, I, it was wow. either my wife or my son said they're so t- sick of hearing those things. I said, man, I, I love, love hearing them. those things. You know. But uh, we were just kind of talking about, uh, you know, this late in the season. Uh, it's kind of mid-late season, right? You know, it's not uncommon to see uh, some dead tissue out there, uh, a lot of insect problems potentially, even disease problems, of course, potentially. You know, we kind of went over all of that. And then we also talked about, you know, what do you do to kind of refresh your garden plot you know, whether it's a raised bed or whether it's just a garden plot, uh, you know, adding the different stuff right. in there to kind of get it ready for the fall gardening, um, you know, which is, uh, I, I mean, I love the idea here in the Mid-South. We can grow veggies spring, summer, and fall. 
We can basically grow mm-hmm. flowers spring, summer, and fall, uh, and fall. In fact, it won't be long before, you know, we'll start getting fall color in Beta Gym, you know, whether it's pansies, viola, snapdragons on down the line. I mean, those days are not far off, you know? Right. Uh, and, you know, and I'm always dragging my feet. I always feel like, you know, this is midsummer. Well, we're in the almost late summer now. Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit of, little bit of fall. You know, well, just a little bit. I mean, you kind of, because the season, the weather, no, the sunlight, all that's changing. It somewhat. is a little bit. You know, you see a few so more leaves falling out of trees. Yeah. I mean, that's probably because mostly of the drought, right? Yeah. But it still reminds me, you know, of, of, of the days to come. So. Yeah, I mean, it won't be long. Yeah, so we were saying fluff your garden, you know, add compost, fertilizers, things like that. Whether you're going to plant or not, you should clean it anyway. Yeah, clean it out, get all the bad stuff. Put your green manure on on top. So that'll, uh, and you kind of do that with all your flower beds too. And, you know, still be vigilant when it comes to insects and disease. Uh, I mean, you still feed your lawn, of course. And, um, you know, there are things going on. Uh, I mean, Jim, you made a comment either last week or week before last about all the moths that are out there. Mm-hmm. And I've had people come into the garden center and go, all right, guys, what is going on? You know, they have their light on on their back porch. They go outside to let the dog out or whatever, and there's millions of moths out there flying around. They said more than they've ever seen. Uh, the first question is, are I mean, are moths, are they are they harming anything out there? Well, they could be. I mean, you know, they're, some of them are, are arming worm moths. Um, but I mean, but the <clears throat> moth itself. Well, yes. Whenever you have a moth, a baby moth is a caterpillar, yeah. which eats plants. Yeah. Now, the question is, are they going to do enough significant damage to worry about? You know, right now, um, the, the sawfly larvae are really playing havoc on my hardy hibiscus mm. but it's so late in the season you know that's probably not doing anything so i'm not going to do anything about it you'll live with that yeah, yeah because actually that gives you two types of hibiscus first you have the hibiscus <laughs> and then you have the lace leaf and then you have the lace leaf hibiscus yes. and <laughs> and you know and one of the plants that i have in my garden is a red twig dogwood and one of the reasons mm-hmm. is it's food for so many different type moths uh, i get lots of different caterpillars on it and then they strip the foliage off of it you know, but it comes back every year. And you get to use the wet red twigs in um, right. in decor right. for Christmas. You know, and I'll also. enjoy it during the wintertime, and then first thing next spring, I'll cut it off at the ground. Because yeah. the first year growth is always the reddest. Yeah. Uh, and so it will put up all new growth, which, you know, by the end of the season, most of the foliage is eaten off of it. Okay. Well, I can't believe I do that every year. You just, but, just but, gave me an epiphany. So, because I don't plant, I haven't really done the dogwoods with the red The red twig. Yeah. The, it's more like a dogwood because, shrub. Yeah, than they're kind of like, ah, it's okay, eh, you know, it doesn't look so good. But, but I want the red twigs. But now, I'm thinking of it in your terms of it's attracting other insects. Right. It's you know when it blooms, it's yeah, yeah it's right. insignificant. Yeah. So let it do that. It's it's still good for the environment in some kind of way. And then I still get the red twigs. Yes. I like that. Well, but but going back to that initial question though, if you're just seeing the moths, not the larva or the caterpillar or anything like that, just the moths out there flying then, around, you know, don't worry about them. Yeah, but don't but, worry about them hiding in your plants. Right. You know, if you brush up yeah. against some plants right. and they're coming out, exactly. Unless you're seeing foliage disappear, yeah. don't yeah. worry about okay. them. Okay, right, right. So no need to spray to control those. So, now, um, but I guess you could spray to control them if you're trying to prevent them from laying eggs that turn into caterpillars at some point, mm-hmm. right? right? It's just, do you know? 
which ones you've got, and because there's most of them are the good rather blah. And the good pollinators, the good though. pollinators, but you can't, you know, most people would not be able to identify whether this is going to have an armyworm baby yeah. or some other type yeah. of caterpillar. But so, like I told this gentleman, I said, I yeah, I the moths, them, yeah, I said the moths themselves are, are doing absolutely nothing. You know, now will they lay eggs eventually, and those eggs will turn into some type of a caterpillar, whether it's beneficial or detrimental. Like I said, Jim, a lot of people just don't know, but the moths themselves are not doing anything bad. I saw something this week, too. We had somebody, and I've seen these in pictures, but I've never seen a live one, is the pine devil caterpillar. <laughs> it is, it is, it's scary looking. It's black. It has huge horns on it. Hence the name. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he said, what in the world is this? But he had a little different language. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it really, and it was carrying, you know, they go through instars where they shed their skin and it had mm-hmm. part of a skin still attached to it. So, you know, he said, it looks like a locust got burned. What, what is this? You know? Maybe. So, what so, is this? So, it's a pine devil. Okay. We so, hickory, we know what it is. Yeah. Okay. We, we see the hickory devil a lot more here. Mm-hmm. They make their beautiful moth. Um, but they have uh, the hickory devil can, it's one of the biggest caterpillars. It can get up to about six inches long, no. but it has these bigger than a tomato horn. Yeah. Oh, gosh, was, yes. yes. And, and it has these horns on the front that curve backwards, you know, um, mm. they're, it's really quite impressive looking, but the, the oh, pine devil impressive. is black, yeah. has red eyes. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's really scary. That's but, when I'm jumping out of the mm-hmm. tree. But I'm you out. Can, you know, mm. you can handle them. They don't sting or anything yeah. like that. They're just scary as all get out. Wow. So, yeah. Education now, do they knowledge do is everything. Uh, they, they munch a little bit on your pine tree, but not significant because there's n- never any great numbers of them usually. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you told me about those because that was be slightly startling to see that. And if I had no knowledge of it. I would be really worried, but then intrigued at the same time. Maybe because there are some <laughs> caterpillars out there that have kind of like that spiky little, you know, fur they have on them. Yeah, the tussock moths, you know, you know they're different. You know, they're quite cute looking, but they will sting the bejesus out of you. Not yeah, the moth, but the caterpillar. They will. Yeah. yeah, right. So that's not one you want to fool with. You know how we just learned about them is after they stung you. You said, "Oh, don't touch that one." Mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't get to you. Didn't get to be pre-warned, warned as we were growing up. You same, just know, same over you here. Just know from experience on that. Okay, we have to run to another break. Time goes so fast, but we'll be right back. Call with your garden questions now. 844-747-8868. You're listening to Mid South Gardening on the Mighty Nine Ninety KWAM and streaming online at Mighty Nine Ninety dot com. I've noticed that when I go to the shopping mall and buy one of the towels, they just don't seem to work very well. They feel too soft and too lotion-y. They just don't absorb the water. Well, our good friend Mike Lindell over at MyPillow has found a solution, and you've got to get yourself one of his brand new towels. These things are incredible, and best of all, they're made right here in the U.S., and all of his towels come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You're going to be able to get a six-piece set, two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, all made with USA cotton. They are soft yet absorbent and you're normally going to pay over $100. But thanks to our good friend Mike Lindell, $39.99. 
That's it. It's a great deal. All you have to do, go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Just enter the promo code STARNS or you can call 800-839-8506 for some incredible radio specials. Again, MyPillow.com, promo code STARNS. No matter where you're going, take along Brim Snack Foods to make your day even tastier. Cheese puffs, cheese curls, cracklins, cheddar fries, popcorn, pork rinds, potato chips, tortilla and corn chips, and so much more. Family owned and operated, Brim's has been serving communities for almost 40 years. And their delicious snacks have been sold throughout the South. Brim's Snack Foods. Life is so delicious. Sight and Sound Theaters presents a brand new original stage production. Everyone has a story. All young women are to be taken to the palace. The choices we must face. Go to the king. Plead for the lives of your people. At a time that was chosen for us. No one can ever know who you are. What you're about to see is my story. Queen Esther, live on stage at Sight and Sound Theaters. For tickets, visit sight-sound.com. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. And hello to our new stations that joined us in Greenville, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and in Chattanooga. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, Jim, we were talking about uh, a lot of different things. But what uh, somebody had brought up the term Japanese maples, and, and we all absolutely yeah, they did, and we all love <laughs> Japanese maples. I do. I don't know how, who wouldn't and why you couldn't. I know it. But what about, you know, we're talking about the dog days of summer. What about Japanese maples this time of year? It seems like we see a good bit of burning going on. Uh, I mean, what are we doing wrong or what are we doing right? Or is that just part of the plan here? Yeah, it's really part of the plan. You know, Japanese ma- maples. And really, we're talking about the whole Mid-South area. Yeah, yeah. They really prefer to be about Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're really a zone six plant. What about our friends in Chattanooga? Well, and, and there would be better, too. Mm-hmm. Um, here, they just get, whenever the soil temperature gets above 70 degrees, Japanese maples and many plants will go into kind of a self-defense mode. They shut the pores down so that they continue to hold their moisture mm. uh, in anticipation of, of drought. Uh, and so we continue to have this hot, burning sun down right. on them, particularly the lace leaf varieties. And you'll get a little burning around the edges as wind right. desiccates that. Some spots in the foliage that right. will drop out. And people are constantly bringing yeah. samples That's of called, leaves in. called sun scald, and yep. it's perfectly normal here. It's worse some years than others. Practically all maples get it. There are some that are less susceptible, but I've never seen one that didn't get some. Right. Um, but I guess the lace leaf varieties are they're the more worst. susceptible. Yeah. They're going to come out next year, look absolutely beautiful. Don't worry about it. There's nothing you can do, really. You know, the main thing is have the plants mulched. Make sure that you're not letting them, of course, get dry, but have have a, a two inches of mulch right. on them. Not no six. more than that. Right. That's right. <laughs> right. Not touching the trunk, okay? Just as close as you can get to it, yeah. but just don't get it on the flange. You're saying to hold that, that hydration, to hold that moisture in, right. in on that root system. Right, and try to keep the ground as cool as possible, and that's that's about all right. you can is do it, for This them. isn't like a, a case where you put in patients in full sun and they just fry and die. Right. right. But even though these maples can take shade, 
or a lot of sun, even though the sun's baking on them and they're getting little bits of damage, it's not that they're frying and dying. No. Yeah, but yeah. I still don't like the idea of putting these beautiful Japanese maples out there in full sun. If yeah. you can protect them from the hottest afternoon sun, right. you're going to have better looking foliage, mm-hmm. but you're still going to get some sun scald. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes not you just want to yeah. have a maple and there's no spot. But, I, but, let, but let's say this, though. You want to keep mm-hmm. them hydrated, but they won't, you know, we're talking about plants that won't tolerate wet feet. Japanese maples are one of them also. You better have good drainage out there. Yeah. And Jim, you mentioned the mulch, and Vady, you said, but not too much. And right. And, you know, and yeah. I, I have three Japanese maples. I don't have any of the red ones. I have a, a waterfall. And I see just a touch right at the tip, but it it, yeah. it's, it has pretty good moisture. You know, I'm, I kind of pay attention to that one a lot. Uh, I have a, a golden leaf variety that's over in, in deep shade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it looks great. It mm-hmm. doesn't have any burn on it at all right now. And then I have a full moon maple, which I love. Yeah. Maple. One of the prettiest ones out there. Uh, and it's it's got down just a touch on the tips, okay. and, and it will get more as the season progresses. But when it turns color in yeah. the in the fall, and and each leaf has orange and red and yellow yeah. on it, it's just it's a rainbow. Mm-hmm. It's well, just spectacular. But right. also, Jim, you made a comment. Maybe it might have been you, but somebody made a comment the other day about uh, on these Japanese maples that it's not uncommon to have some uh, tissue dieback, some twig dieback. Uh, through the winter. You yeah. know, every right. spring we go out there, it looks Always. like we got some dead yeah. tips out there. Right, and that's because they like cooler weather. Okay, and when we get start cooling down the fall, they'll shoot out some new growth. Mm-hmm. Because of that cooler weather. Yeah. That's, that's what they love. Right. That's right. But here it doesn't have time to harden off before, and it's so thin that when we get a hard freeze yeah. on it, it kills a couple of inches back. But I want and that's people the to ones understand that. Are that. Gray, right? Because right. the yes. black ones have the blight or is that what it is? A ja- yeah. Japanese maple blight taken lightly. <laughs> Yeah, they, yeah. They, they just turn gray and they'll snap off, you mm-hmm. know, but that's it's perfectly normal. But I, that's right. And the reason I brought it up because I want people to understand that right. it's not uncommon to see that. Yeah, right. and yeah, I do. I just take my hands through now, the trees un- sometimes and just let them break off. Unfortunately, we're still seeing uh, in, in some dogwoods and some Japanese maples damage from that f- November freeze we yeah, had in last. 2019. Yeah, before uh, Limbs dying out of it because... They're depleting the carbohydrates in them. There's been enough conductive tissue damage that food produced in the foliage is not making it to the roots. Roots are beginning to die off, which gives you limbs dying off. And this is a slow process that's just going to continue to go backwards. That is amazing. It's hard to diagnose something that's going on this year, say a limb, um, you know, dying in, say, a Japanese maple. And then it's hard, you know, to pinpoint, you know, exactly what the call is, cause is. But like you're saying, Jim, it can be from, you know, two, well, a year and a half ago, yeah. uh, the damage that was done back in those two right. nights in November. Right. Well, and I'm if lo- you get down and look at the trunk, usually you can see it, you know, by now mm-hmm. it's begun to open up some. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's still going to be a fantastic time to plant maples coming up this fall, or now we're starting to. I'm looking at all different kinds of maples to order and there's this one called uh, Trumpenberg. Trumpenberg, yeah. yeah. That, so the description many out there. was it has uh, dragon-looking paws leaves. What does a dragon's paws look like? No, I'm not to sure. To even compare it to a maple leaf. Well, you know. Probably like I know. A, I guess probably it looks like, like the full like moon. So maple. that makes me really need to order this tree now to see the dragon but, paw But there's so formation. many, so many uh, Japanese maples on the market. Is that so a good one many. for Memphis? 
the uh, yeah, Trompenburg is a good one for Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. It's in hot temperatures. It doesn't burn as badly as some okay. uh, and has good red color. And That's let me ask you this, there. between the greens and the reds, uh, is there one easier to grow between you know the Not green really. foliage and the red foliage? Not really. I mean, the, the old Acer palmatum, the green leaf mm-hmm. one, grows like a weed. Yep. I mean, you can plant a, a three-foot one, and in, in three or four years, it's 20 feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a very rapid grower. In fact, that's what's used as the root stock on most all of the green uh, red ones. They'll mm-hmm. cut off a green one and graft the red to it because you have the vigor of that green root system supplying that red top, which on its own would not have that good of root system. Fantastically amazing. We're going to talk about cicadas when we come back. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call at 901-260-5926. And um, birdseed. I want to talk about birdseed really quickly because um, someone was in yesterday buying a bird feeder. Mm -hmm. And so I had showed her, well, you know, we've got some really good birdseed. It's uh, this brand. It's great. And she's like, no, I've got plenty of birdseed. I get it at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. I was like... Okay, you know, if you ever need any more information on this, I'll let, let you know. Because I do have an issue. What do I do when all the bird seed falls on the ground and those weeds grow and then it gets gross and mm-hmm. black and all mm-hmm. of that? And well, I why, go, why are the birds scratching that seed off yeah, to start with? Yeah, you know, and I'm like, well, let's go back to this bird seed here. The bird seed's a 100% bird seed that these birds are going to eat. When you get the generic bird seed at the grocery store or whatever, it's got filler in it, things that the birds don't eat. So they're pushing that out. Isn't that and amazing? And that's falling yeah. on the ground, and that's what's growing and gross. So you spend a little more for a quality bird seed, and, um, but they eat it all. Yeah. Yeah, so, there's no yeah. doubt about it. So I mean, how many it. times have we seen? Go, I mean, go look at a bird feeder, mm-hmm. and you'll know really quick if they're using a good, high quality bird seed by looking under the feeder, right? Right. right. Especially exactly. if your feeder's over a bed, because you're going to have so much stuff coming up down there, you're not going to know what's well, I going still on. Get sunflowers I was going to say, yeah. granted, you will get, but not to the extent. Yeah. Just yeah. Every well, I don't use anything that's got corn in it. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's mainly because corn seems to just always draw blackbirds. Um, but I, you know, mostly what I feed are suets mm-hmm. well, with mealworms in them and, uh, and sunflower seeds. And you, you get a lot of songbirds, a lot of woodpeckers, but you don't get a whole lot of the sparrows and that sort of thing. Yeah. You do, and, like you feed with, if you're feeding millet. Right. And my wife's yeah. just gone to really just feeding the hummingbirds now. She's got, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of hummingbird feeders up. Um, and you know, they're great to fun to watch, yeah, great to watch. And, um, you know, and I don't know why. There's no particular reason. Uh, surely nothing against birds, but we just don't have any bird, quote, mm-hmm. feeders out there other than the hummingbird right. feeder. Well, um, you just made an interesting point, Jim. You can actually pick the birds you attract by the type of bird That's seed right. mm-hmm. mixtures. Mm-hmm. And um, what would those be, Jim? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you can do cardinals with sunflower hearts and mm-hmm. safflower seeds and those types. So if things. you just wanted cardinals, yeah. yeah. You can feed those. Um and then there's like uh, I, you know, I also put up a a regular grease suet 
mm-hmm. you know, because I, I have a lot yeah. of downy woodpeckers. and, mm-hmm. and uh, So they need that, that like fat, that. I guess. Blue jays for their... love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, blue jays are mean, but they sure are pretty. Yeah. Not great. You know? It's true, yeah. yeah. So, and they snatch hair out of your head and use in their nest, right? Yeah, and you know, and I saw that an article on that, you know, and, yeah. and had the, the term for that now that they have, you know, I couldn't pronounce it. So, anyway, they but studied it, now they've given it a term. You just yeah, can't call snatching I, hair out of your head, right. can you? Let's Everything's got to have a term. Let's talk, before we go to the next break, let's talk a little bit about the dog day cicadas. That's the ones you're hearing right now. And you're hearing, if you'll notice, you'll have some that are singing during the daytime, mm-hmm. and then it gets quiet, and yes. then you have some more that come at dust. Now, are they yeah. the same type, Jim? Or is no. that a, see, I thought they were the same type. No. You know, we have, first of all, most people are familiar with the periodical cicadas. They're smaller. They typically are in the ground for 13 to 17 years, but you'll have stragglers that can go three or four years either way. Right, because okay. so eventually you go, you hear some every yeah. year. Right. right. But the annual cicadas are ones that... that or they are two to five. Some people say up to seven years they'll stay in the ground. And there's some of those hatching every year, so we call them annuals. Right. But they're really at least two years old. Right. Uh, and we have in Tennessee, I think, about 18 different species. In the U.S., there's about 165. And there's something like 3,500 worldwide of just annual cicadas. Yeah. They are bigger than the ones, than the periodicals. Uh, and and they all and they, have, and they chatter. They have a different sound. Each one of them. Yeah. Some of them have what's called a temple type. Anyway, there's an organ inside <laughs> of them Veda-itis. that they vibrate. The males vibrate, and their 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 abdomen is mostly hollow, uh, which I can attest to. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> they they. Uh, and that's the story there when he yeah, shot him well, with the well, baby well, gun and yeah, yeah, all he could do was see through the cicada the thing was still very much alive yeah and then it landed in my hair yeah um <laughs> but it. anyway the, they'll vibrate that some of them use their wings uh and some of them just vibrate against things and and use some they have different sounds and they they sing at different times and this is just what a mating call is it, it is yeah. it's, it's a mating call because only yeah. the males make the noise right um, but they, you know, they live in the ground for two to, to seven years. They take, they feed on the roots of plants, but they, it's it's sugar water basically yeah. they're sucking out, and it's you know it takes them a long time to really get any size to them because it's mm-hmm. it's um, you know otherwise they'd be the size of Volkswagens under the ground um, with the big beady eyes. Yeah, <laughs> and then and they hatch out, and when they come out of the ground, they secrete this uh, liquid that seals the mm-hmm. the the hole, uh, the hole, so that uh, it actually serves to aerate the soil, and you'll have stuff fall back in that there. Amazing. Yeah, and, and yeah. actually, how many your how soul. many questions and pictures do you get on your Facebook? Mm-hmm. Page oh, oh, about the yeah. holes. about the holes right. in the ground. Like what yeah. in the world is causing yeah. these? Holes? You know, and I'll tell them it's it's you know it's a cicada hole, and they go, no, it's not. You know, yeah, right. okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. yes, yes. But, you know, but, they but call it's pretty them, cool the way that, like you said, they secrete uh, you know this this substance, and right. it uh, they kind of you know wax the walls, just glue it up there. You know, you know? and see, oh, like a lot of people will see a lot of them along a walkway, and they'll think, oh, well, it's got to be a vault getting up underneath yeah. mm-hmm. there. Well, no what's happening is they're falling out of the tree and they're landing on the concrete and then the little nymphs mm-hmm. will go over into the side and so you'll get a lot of them right along your sidewalk yeah and how, how long can we expect these you think well they'll go on usually for about six weeks or so okay yeah um their typical lifespan is four to six weeks uh and they do is almost zero
zero damage to any plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. don't worry about them eating anything. But you know the birds are loving. Oh, the birds love them. I mean, them. Yeah. my dog I mean, loves them. And that's I mean, why they come out in mass. Fillets. Everything a, loves them. Yeah, I mean. And, and they, fillets. Yeah, oh, Lord, yeah. Well, think about it. people eat them, too. You know when the best time to eat them is? I couldn't tell I you. I knew y'all were going to say never. But before the exoskeleton gets hard. Oh, right. When Let they, me write that right, down. Yeah. And there's a good video on, on our Facebook group where somebody actually caught one coming out of it. And he's uh-huh. bright green. And it's oh. it's an absolute cool video. Yeah. Um, that's the first time in, uh, that anybody's posted one like mm-hmm. that. I've seen it happen. But, you know, Dopey Me yeah. never thinks to film the darn right. thing. You know, I'm just, just going, so amazed. Wow. I know. That's yeah. what I'm thinking too so um i saw somebody show me the video of the mm-hmm. hornworm and you know when the wasp lay the parasitic eggs mm-hmm. on the back and then it gets all in the hornworm yeah, okay, so see. they're showing the video of all that happening too and i'm just like this is amazing because back when we were starting to garden that was totally unheard of to yeah. even see that much less you know 50 years ago <laughs> know <laughs> what it was Oops. and now any millennial can just you can tell them something. They just look it up and watch it all. Any of us, actually, you know, watch it all on video. And yeah. you're just like, wow, that's insane. Yeah, but the good thing is, you know, about the cicadas, I mean, they're not, like you said, Jim, they're not really doing any harm to anything mm-hmm. out there because they're out there by the millions. And to me, it reminds me, I mean, a summer night is yeah. when you hear that, you know? Mm-hmm. Kenneth likes them. I do not like them. I like them, yeah, Well, the only reason Jim I, doesn't like them is the story. Well, that's true, but yeah. I like I like peace and quiet, you know? Yeah, I, I get no, that, No, I too, understand why you don't like yeah, them. Yeah, but, you know, when you have one dance in your hair, yeah. that's really angry. Because they and stick. From the, and from that a, day forward, yeah. he has just not liked them, okay? <laughs> right, just forget about it. You know? And then when you don't hear them anymore, we're really getting into fall. Yeah, yeah but Jim, yeah. With, uh, let's say, but say people have cicada holes in their lawn. I mean, hundreds of thousands of them out there you don't need to run out there and try to fill these no you don't need to do anything they'll fill up on their own you know over time with just grass clippings and stuff that's right it's just nature's way of aerating the soil so uh, and typically they're down about eight to ten inches or so and Mm -hmm. when the soil temperature gets to about uh i think it's around 68 70 degrees Mm -hmm. then that's when they start coming out um, so anyway, and they, and the dog days, the annual cicadas typically come out from mid July till the first of September or so, whereas the periodicals are much earlier in the season. They're April, June. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of the years where it's a heavy. Well, we had, count. we had, um, brew 10 over in East Tennessee. We, we, we don't have very many of those here. Our biggest one's going to be in, I think in 2024. When we'll have a bur- one of the uh, the big broods come here, let me get my recipes ready. Yeah, fry up a bunch <laughs> easy of easy harvesting then. Cover them with chocolate and, and bring them up here and let y'all try them out. Y'all have both lost your mind. No. I'm telling you. Well, that's well, when organic, we get back right? from the break, uh, and uh, you know, we, we we talk about this all the time, but I still want to talk about. Um, you know the different types of mulch uh i get that question all of the time Mm -hmm. Uh, what is the best type of mulch to put down in our beds right and it's a very simple answer it is yes (laughs) i'll let you know in just a minute mr jim like the pots which one you want to use we'll be right back you're listening to mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 kwam and streaming online at mighty990.com 
Hello, friends. Todd Starnes here, and I want to invite you to my annual Faith and Freedom Celebration at Truett McConnell University. Join me and my very special guest, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, as we celebrate America and raise much-needed scholarship funds for Truett McConnell. Our Faith and Freedom Celebration is a once-in-a-lifetime moment to meet some of the top newsmakers and decision-makers in the nation. Tickets are selling fast, so make your reservations right now, September 24th at Truett McConnell University. Go to truett.edu. When it comes to fresh, you can always taste the difference. That's why at FarmView Market, you'll always find 100% grass-fed beef. No hormones, no antibiotics, just pure pasture-raised grass-fed beef. And that care and devotion goes into all of our products at FarmView Market. Taste the difference yourself by visiting farmviewmarket.com. Carryout and curbside services are still available. FarmView Market, farm-to-table fresh, always. farmviewmarket.com. America has a new choice for fair and balanced news. ToddStarns.com. Journalism you can trust. From some of the best reporters and opinion writers in the business, ToddStarns.com takes you to the front lines of the culture war, defending faith, freedom, and your family. ToddStarns.com also features exclusive interviews with America's top newsmakers like Mike Huckabee, Franklin Graham, and Newt Gingrich. Find out why millions of Americans read ToddStarns.com every day. It's news you can trust. ToddStarns.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. America is in a funk, and that's why I wrote our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl. It's a collection of inspirational and encouraging and hilarious stories about exceptional Americans who are doing good deeds, stories about faith and family, God and country. I do have hope for America because my hope is not based on a political party. My hope is built on a much higher power. Our Daily Biscuit, it's a buttermilk biscuit for the soul. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We just have a few minutes left. We've been here three hours with y'all and have totally enjoyed it. Yeah, and I also want to thank Jan again, Jan Children. She heard us talking about we didn't have any coffee this morning. The coffee machine just broke downstairs and she was, you know, sweet enough to bring us some coffee and uh, and sat in and talked to us for a little while. Yes. And Jim, you know, we were talking about before we went to the uh, break, uh, we always get questions about mulch. You know, what is the best type or the best kind of mulch? Uh, that you can use and I was you know said you know the answer is very simple it's whatever mulch that you like you know whether it's pine straw whether it's pine mulch that's been chopped up uh, shredded hardwood cedar cypress Uh, there's even some rubber mulch out there I'm not Mm -hmm. quite sure about it but uh, you know there's there's no uh, soil conditioner we've talked about that before which is pine fine uh, any of those mulches are fine. What we always say is just go with the one that you like uh, aesthetically. But the biggest thing is is just don't go out there and overdo it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pine straw, you can get away with it because it's so airy, it's so light, moisture passes right through it. Uh, but some of the other mulches, the wood mulches, can be a little heavy. So you don't want to have a whole lot of that on top of the root system. And you don't want to have a, any of that against the trunk of any right. shrub or tree. And then the, the mulch is mat together, and the water doesn't even penetrate through, uh, like the hardwood mulches, especially if you get a lot of it. Well, especially the what they used to call the uh, they double-hammered mm-hmm. or triple-hammered yeah. jet black hardwood. It, it's so it's so fine uh, that when it gets really hot in the summer times, I've seen it where it kind of bakes at the top mm-hmm. and kind of makes a little mini crust. Yeah. <laughs> you go out there, water is almost like an umbrella. Right. Yeah, I know the triple hammer. When I use that, it's so light. 
that it's just too light, doesn't seem like a mulch. What to mulch me. do you use, Mr. Jim? Well, I use cypress because I like the way it looks, mm-hmm. okay. which is just a natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it's a light color. It's um, it lasts a long time. <clears throat> it's usually fairly inexpensive. So I'm readily available. So that's what I use. If I had my druthers, I'd use pine needles. It's mm-hmm. just they're a little pricey for the number of beds that I yeah. have. Right. You know, that uh, they'll last a long time. They break down. They You never really have to worry about them repelling water like you're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, so and they absolutely do not change your pH. Right. Of and that, I was gonna. Yeah. And that was another we thing I was gonna that. say. Yeah. You know, because yeah. a lot of people say, "Well, no, 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 I'm not going to use that around mm-hmm. anything that doesn't like acidic soil because it's going to change my pH." Won't We've all right. heard that before. Right. Ten well, before, feet deep, it ain't going to yeah. change your pH. Before I knew the science of that, I that was something that I heard. And then I wondered why those boxwoods were growing so fantastic with the pine needles around it. Mm-hmm. And I said, this can't, the, the pine needles must not be adjusting the pH. They're not. Yeah, so it's pretty Awfully now. difficult to change your pH. Your soil is very stable. Yeah. And, and you can't. You can't change your pH by adding, you know, oak leaves or eggshells or any of that stuff <laughs> yeah. to it. It just isn't going to happen. Except for wait, walnuts that doesn't change the pH. They're no, tannins. That adds, that adds juglans, which yeah. is toxic to a number of plants. Right. So isn't that so, strange? But don't yeah. you can't plant under walnut trees. Yeah, but also you know, under coffee plants, caffeine kills plants. Under, <laughs> under tea, caffeine. You know, we plants. we actually talked about that before, mm-hmm. where a lot of people would use coffee grounds or tea grounds uh, and you know to put around their hydrangeas or whatever yeah. uh, and to change the acidity of the soil believe it or not and right. you're saying two things well, one it really doesn't do that it doesn't and then mm-hmm. secondly you can actually do a little more harm yeah, than good it, it cuts caffeine the vit- is a known yeah. growth retardant exactly would yeah. you say i answered the question on our facebook page about the coffee grounds yeah. mm-hmm. it put the science didn't i yep So for people that have just tuned in, Jim, and they didn't hear us a month ago talking about that, you're saying not a good idea to use coffee grounds around your plants, or would you put them in a compost pile and let them compost down? It's okay if you want to put a little bit in your compost pile, but don't get heavy with them. You know, don't go to the coffee shop and buy 10 pounds of them and put in there because they're also toxic to earthworms. Okay, so mm-hmm. you know it's not a good idea. Oh, what about tea grounds? Same thing. Not you know a little bit is okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's they're not. Uh, it's not healthy for your plants. You know, same right. thing. Nothing grows under a, under a camellia, a tea camellia. Okay, because of the caffeine from the foliage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where's she at? She's mm. getting her caffeine up under that camellia tree That's over exactly there. Exactly where she's at. <laughs> and you know, all that stuff is compostable um, because you're because it's breaking down through the entire compost pile. But anything in like mass, uh, like the coffee grounds piled up around things, can definitely mess it up. Um, yeah, the question was, or this lady was asking about the clematis, what to do with it, and I told her lime and seaweed, and she said she put coffee grounds around it, because right. and that's what we all want to do. It'll make think you about feel it. better. Yeah, <laughs> but, and I, yeah. and I, you know, I'd answered back just the fact that it amends the soil, but it can uh, sometimes stifle the vigorous, mm-hmm. vigorous, vigorously of the plant. <laughs> Is that it? So. Um, yeah, think about that. And Kenneth always said, and I think he said that because Art out, Roush, did I say that? Remember Ralsh, him? Art Roush, the old dirt dauber. Every time you walk dirt by. Dirt robber. Every time you walk <laughs> by a clematis, every time you walk by a clematis or a lilac, you, you throw, throw lime around right, it. Right. And that's what he would lime. always say. But all he meant was, you know, it needs that pH mm-hmm. to be up. 
Um, and I remember seeing him one time out at Central Hardware, you know, and he would yeah. always be out there with his pH meter, testing <laughs> pH for yeah. people. And so he forgot his meter one day. So mm-hmm. then came up and a little bit so and he took a pinch of it, put it in his mouth, yeah. needs lime. Wow. <laughs> I can tell it's good by smelling it, That's but I sure can't <laughs> tell that. Yeah. Jim, well, you could probably do that now, I you knew, think? I'm not tasting the soul. I don't care what it is. You know, the thing is, too, is even though all this great stuff we do to the soul, there's still things in there we're not sure about anymore. Uh, you think? That's right. And I surely I don't. I wouldn't recommend people throwing a, a you know a chunk of soil mm-hmm. in their mouth, swishing around just to see what the pH is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll smell it, see if it's sweet. You know, that's how I can tell if you know if it's alive or you could plant in it. But but there are certain plants that need that pH to be up. You know, mm-hmm. clematis, uh, lavenders, uh, boxwoods, ivy vegetable beds, gardens, your vegetable yeah. garden, your lawns your typically. Lawn, yeah. And naturally, soils do turn more acidic than they do turn. Alkaline Here, in yeah. some areas, yeah. yes. In some areas, you have to constantly add some. But around here, though, to acidify if anything, your pH is going to go yeah. down. But again, it gets back to growing things that just don't like to be there. You yeah. know, if you're trying to grow rhododendrons and you're sitting on limestone rock, you know, you've got <laughs> to add something else yeah, to it to exactly. bring the pH down. Well, y'all, let's tell you all the places that you can listen to us. Um, like we have a podcast. You so, see all the past programs. Yeah, it's really it's really good. The podcasts are really great, so you can listen anytime. Hear all of our programs, and um, let's see the Facebook page. Join us, Mid South Gardening. You can find me at Palladio Garden, Kenneth at Dan West. And we want to thank our producer, Mr. Allen. And we also want to thank Jan for coming here with this wonderful coffee. And thank you for listening with us. And we will see you next weekend in the Mid South Garden. I've noticed that when I go to the shopping mall and buy one of the towels, they just don't seem to work very well. They feel too soft and too lotion-y. They just don't absorb the water. Well, our good friend Mike Lindell over at MyPillow has found a solution, and you've got to get yourself one of his brand new towels. These things are incredible, and best of all, they're made right here in the U.S., and all of his towels come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You're going to be able to get a six-piece set, two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, all made with USA cotton. They are soft yet absorbent and you're normally going to pay over $100. But thanks to our good friend Mike Lindell, $39.99. That's it. It's a great deal. All you have to do, go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Just enter the promo code STARNS or you can call 800-839-8506 for some incredible radio specials. Again, MyPillow.com, promo code STARNS.